Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Fear the Talking Queer. Part 2. Two? Who's gonna do that? Sequels suck. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Ooh, it feels good to say that. We haven't said that in a minute. I know. Last week it was Hey, Sisters. Before that it was like... Hola, Perez, or something yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Wow. Let's say it again. Hey, hey bitch. bitch. <laughs> mm, yes, it's like music to my ears and, you know, food for the soul. It is. Chicken, Chicken soup, soup for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, bitches who are listening, have you left us an Apple Podcast review yet? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have because I haven't seen a new one. And um, we really want a new one. We do. And you know what it is? Um, Every season we do this thing because we're coming to an end of our season. We're getting season three ready, which means that we're getting the marketing ready. And we always do this really cute thing where we try to make like these cute little like title cards, like the front of a VHS, the back of a VHS. And we post that before our season starts, like season three. Like this is what our VHS for season three would look like. And we are including Apple podcast reviews as part of like the back of it. And it'd be real cute if you left us and one and then we could like figure out which ones sound the cutest to put on our little marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we we do have a few that will probably be on there, but hey, leave us a great one and you could be on there too. Yes, yes. We're picking two. So keep yeah, that in mind. Yeah, two. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's strong, stiff competition. Yeah. Actually, one of them I've been looking at to put on there is one by Mr. Jordan Nash. Our... Uh. Uh, our diehard listener. Yes, we we have to give a huge shout out. Thank you for being one of our donate donators. Girl, Is that yeah. the word? Donators. Donators. Um, donors. Yes, donors. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for being one of our sperm donors. <laughs> That's what yes. made me think of it. I'm like, wait, 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 what is it? I was it? like, donators. Oh, okay. Anyway, yes, donors. Um, <laughs> and he left us an incredibly generous donation. Um, it was, so, again, just like Brandon Lightning last week. Like, this was totally unprompted. We weren't like, hey, we talk to you a lot. Send us money. Like, no, like, this was done out of the kindness of his heart. And we were yes. so appreciative of that. Um, so Jordan, thank you very much. Thank you for being such a supportive fear the talking queer listener. And you bitch, you are a fear the talking queer officially. Absolutely. Yes. Brandon lightning and Jordan Nash. Absolutely. Our honorary fear the talking queers. Yes. Work. Love that. Work girl. I know you can be an honorary talking queer too. And it doesn't have to just be through donations. You can join us on our weekly episodes by going to anchor.fm slash fear the talking queers. And on there, there's a section where you can contribute to one of the episodes. You can just let us know what you think about the movie we're doing that week and whatever, whatever. And on fearthetalkingqueers.com, you can actually see the schedule for our June episodes. And soon that'll be on Instagram also. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you'll be featured in the episode. We'll give you a cute little shout out. We'll, uh, you know, talk about what you say, whether we agree, whether we don't. But um, either way, uh, we will be very appreciative and um, we'll love all the support that you give us. So submit now. 
Yes, submit money, submit audio. Girl, it's up to you, but you can, it's so easy to become one of us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not many people can be, so. <laughs> right, and there are four of us now, so there's there's room for all. Come yes. one, come all to my Halloween ball. Yes. <laughs> so um, we we're gonna continue this thing going this week where we were playing games. We're bringing back all the classics leading up to the season two finale. So this one we actually haven't played in a very very long time, right. which is uh, <laughs> fuck Mary kill. Yes, yes. And this is actually an original one done by us for our website. So in between season two and three, we're going to be posting um, our versions of the games that we always play on uh, the show. And it'll be on our, it'll be made just by us. We're, we're writing these things from scratch and we're going to put them up on our website in, this summer so that when you guys get together in the summer, because you know, our post COVID world is coming. So we're going to be having a lot more gatherings. We have right. a lot of, we have drinking games on there already. So you're going to have all these fun games to play from Fear the Talking Queers to enjoy at your little Halloween balls that you have you having in the summer. Yes. And you can find those again at www.fearthetalkingqueers.com. Ding! Ah. Ding! <laughs> or a knife slash. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, let's get into this game, girl. Yeah, let's play, let's play. I'm so excited. Okay, so our Fuck, Mary Kill has 10 categories on there. So I'm gonna have, I'm gonna read yours first. So you pick a category. Hmm, I'm gonna pick, uh, witches. I just get my tongue while I said that. Witches. <laughs> okay perfect so witches so we have nancy from the craft oh gosh marie laveau from american horror story coven so the angela bassett version okay okay and muriel from hansel and gretel witch hunters (laughs) (laughs) oh i love famka okay um Hmm, all right. I would probably... I would definitely fuck Nancy. She's crazy. She had a good time with Chris Hooker in bed. Yeah, hello. And uh, she's a slut. That's what they call her. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) According to the dialogue in the movie. (laughs) According to the dialogue in the movie, she's a slut. I don't think that I don't think she's actually a slut. Like I think they were just saying that to be rude. To be rude. But um, but maybe the rumors are true. So uh, maybe Nancy would be a lot of fun. And she could fulfill any fantasies because she can do the glamour. Oh my god! Spell. Oh my god! Imagine I'm like, yes, Nancy, please look like Henry Cavill. <laughs> Imagine she just like wipes her hands over her face and it's just Superman. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. That's the dream. Yeah, so definitely fuck Nancy. Yeah. And then um let's see. I <laughs> Mary or Gil. I um, I guess I would kill Muriel Mar- from Hansel yeah. and Gretel Witch Hunter. It's just because she's we she's evil. She's like pure evil, and I feel like Marie Laveau, she has a heart of gold, you know, somewhere she, down she in there. She has some redeeming qualities, totally. Absolutely. She feels like a motherly figure. She would, uh, you know, as my wife, maybe we would. She would um, 
you know, be very motherly to our children, <laughs> to our right. witchy children. Right. Or, or yeah. even, you know, she'll do anything for love. We've seen it on the show. Yeah, that's true. She will do anything for love. And also, who knows, maybe we could create the next Supreme. Hello. I'm the fucking supreme. No, girl, you gonna give birth to a um, a little uh, queenie? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm giving birth, not her. <laughs> yeah, you're the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she can yeah. make that work. I'm sure there's. That's just science. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, your turn. Let's see. I'm gonna go with Ghostface Killers. Ooh. Okay. Billy Loomis. Mm. Mrs. Loomis. Okay. Jill Roberts. Okay. Okay. Yes. I would... Oh my god, this one's hard. I would marry Billy Loomis, because I want to be with him forever. Okay, okay. And for the obvious reasons. I would... (laughs) Yes, all those obvious reasons. I would... Fuck Mrs. Loomis and kill Jill Roberts. Okay, and the reason I say this is because Jill Roberts shot her ex-boyfriend in the penis. Ooh, yeah, so she's vengeful. She's dangerous. She's spiteful. She is. If you don't treat her right, because if I'm marrying Billy Loomis and I just go and fuck her, she's gonna be after me. Yeah, that's true. And in a killer versus killer battle, I think that Jill would win over Billy because she is vicious. She and it was so hard to kill her. So yeah, that's true. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's those are all legit reasons. All right, cool, great. So you said (laughs) marry Billy Loomis, fuck Mrs. Loomis. And which is his mom, which is hilarious. <laughs> Mary, yeah, Mary Billy, fuck his mama. <laughs> Ew, and then kill Jill. Okay, all right, work. yeah, kill Jill. <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna pick mm, ghosts. Ah, <laughs> okay, ghosts. Let's go with Candyman. Okay. Kayoko from The Grudge. Kayoko, okay. Or Bathsheba from The Conjuring. <laughs> well, I mean, Bathsheba is stunning, so definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would probably fuck her. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Out of the yeah. other two choices? Yeah. Yeah, Girl, because I would probably marry Candyman. Because his okay. voice is so soothing. So soothing. Oh my god. Like, if he just spoke to me, I wouldn't um, ever have trouble sleeping. Like, it's just so deep and rich. And, um, yes. you know, he could hook me. That's fine. Girl, he could stick that hook up my <laughs> b- <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and then um, I would probably kill Kayako because that bitch is annoying. Ah. Uh. Right, that's doing too much. All no. through sex, can you imagine? Yeah. I don't know if I read this or not, <laughs> if this is true or not, but I, I feel like that vo- that sound that she made was made from, like, running your finger over a comb. Is that not true? Did I make that up? 
No, it was something like that. It was something like some inanimate object, like just rubbing together. I do remember that. So no, you're not yeah. wrong. That's probably what it was. Well, exactly. Well, that's annoying and I don't want to hear that. And so Kayako can kayak go. <laughs> Kayako, your outfit was a Kaya no. <laughs> Kayak no. Kayak no. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, your turn. Okay, I will go with demons. <laughs> okay. Okay. Pazuzu from The Exorcist. I just love saying that. Hmm. So. Um, Bagul from Sinister, and um, I guess Annabelle the demon. Okay, I try to think of a, a different one, but I couldn't think of any other demons. The neon, <laughs> the neon, <laughs> the neon demon. The, yeah. <laughs> um. No, do the the original ones I said. Okay, um, I would. Mary Bagul, because I would be immortalized on film for eternity. Oh my, right, okay. Star power. Right. And then I would fuck Pazuzu, because he said some pretty foul shit in that movie. <laughs> so he yeah. maybe be kind of freaky, like it seems I mean, very sexual. Pazuzu is clearly a freak in the sheets. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> girl. And then I would kill the Annabelle demon because honestly, that's the scariest one out of the three. The Annabelle demon? Hell yeah, that one's hella scary. That's like the the ideal like painting of a demon with the horns and the ooh, like okay. a half goat, half right. man, like monster. Uh, nah, I'm not into that. All right, all right, fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. All right. There we go. I hope we. I hope you enjoy that version of <laughs> Fuck Mary Kill. <laughs> yes, and the rest of these categories will be available to you in the next coming weeks. So look out for that on our Instagram. We'll announce it on our Instagram. It'll be on our website. Beardshotandqueers.com. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it is time for us to get into this week's movie, which is. Um, the 1998 brainwashing horror thriller starring James Mars and Katie Holmes called Disturbing Behavior. Yes. Yes. I'm kind of excited to dig deep on this. Like, Me too. I can't believe some of the things that happened to this film. Yeah. Like, what happened to this film is probably the most disturbing thing about it. It's a travesty. And honestly, this is going to open up the conversation about the power of test audiences once we get into it. Really? I know. Which we had several films now that have been just like ruined by test audiences. Like, what the hell do these people know? Maimed, murdered. Yeah, it's just such an interesting medium to to get reactions from because yeah one audience might like it or dislike it but i mean it does but, is that really right. reflective of how everybody's going to are we analyzing the iq of these test audiences before they go in yeah like what are their qualifications other than their age and that's usually like age and uh, I yeah, like I think age is like a big thing to do with it, and sometimes gender. And yes, honestly, yes, yeah. that is not cute. Right. <laughs> but then it also like takes into account like where these test audiences are. Like, 
Exactly. Like, Where's like their location? The, Where are they from? What are their qualifications? Like, are they yeah. editors, writers? Are they <laughs> yeah, are they people honestly. like us who like analyze horror films? Are they podcasters? No, like, what they are, are they? They're ju- regular people off the street. Right. Any before this, I mean, I've been to several test screenings here in LA, and I, all I, all I had to do was sign up on a website. There's no previous, you know qualifications for going to it like i saw the greatest showman like months before it came out yeah so i saw i've seen several movies we saw that this like jennifer lopez film that came out i don't think anybody saw called second act joey and i saw that months and months before it came out and so but and they don't know (laughs) who the hell we are other than avid j-lo fans yeah just regular ass people yeah, we're just regular ass people. Um, but at least you somewhat have a passion for film. See, I mean, be, but they're that, lucky. They're lucky. They're because lucky. I am. Not everybody is like that. So right. Um, I've heard but, people discuss films before that are like not on our level as far as like the intellect behind movies. Right. Not that we're hella smart when it comes to movie making or anything, but we know enough. We know what we like. And right. Um, well, we have. A, like, we obviously have some sort of passion for. it films and you know things yeah. like that of it's, that nature some people just do the not process. know what they're talking about oh no you know so so yeah. let's explain exactly what we're talking about here so um before we get into the synopsis i kind of want to break down what happened with this film yeah um in its you know post-production phase so the original cut of this movie was 115 minutes long right and uh, David Nutter, the director, was very pleased with this with this story that he created. It was like about obviously our our main character Steve, who you know was going through trauma with his family, and the family was really uh, the centerpiece of this, and much more featured. Um, and so they te- they screened it for executives and to positive reviews. Everybody loved it, but for some reason they're like, well, we still want to do a test screening audience. They're like, okay, sure. So they did the test screening audience of this movie and had an overwhelmingly positive review, except for like a small group of people who didn't like a few of the scenes in it, I guess. So they were like, cut those scenes out. And he's like, uh, okay. And you know, there was a lot of studio pressure and they, they sort of overruled David Nutter, who was opposed to this idea. So then he ended up cutting 20 minutes out of the movie, which left the movie at 95 minutes. And then, uh, so they tested it again. And then uh, the audience didn't like the ending, which was much different than the ending that we um, have much. now. And, and we'll get into that once we get we get to it. And so uh, they demanded that the ending be reshot. And they like even like put money into it. They're like, here's some more money. Reshoot the ending because... It's too dark, and we need something happy. Which is like, okay. So, and also we want to leave it open for potential sequels because, you know, studios can't fathom the idea that not everything's going to be a franchise. It's never one and done. Right. And so uh, (laughs) they ended up cutting the movie again because also they wanted the movie to move faster. They thought it was boring. They thought the scenes were too slow. So they wanted to go faster, faster, faster. On to the next, on to the next, on to the next, which left this next cut of the movie at 72 minutes. Girl, that's a little more than an hour. (laughs) That is an hour and 12 minutes long. That's not even a movie. Do you remember when we were talking about Sleepaway Camp 2 that they had to add that random 
flashback montage. The dream because, scene. Yeah. Yeah. Because in order for a movie to be considered like a theatrical release, it has to reach a certain amount of time. Like, I don't even think this fit, this reaches that. No. It has to be, I think, at least an hour and 20 minutes or something. Something like that. No. And basically, the test audiences saw the 72-minute cut of this movie and said, this sucks because this makes no sense because all of the story was gone. This movie went from 115 minutes to 72 minutes long. So basically it's, it was just scene for scene, like a, a compilation of scenes. Yeah, it just it, yeah, it couldn't have been anything coherent. And so the studio went back again and recut the movie again and got it now to 84 minutes and this is the cut that we have today and they screened it for audiences and they were more positive so they like ended up with like a you know like a generally positive review and they're like great put it out and you know (laughs) for somebody like david nutter who who probably put a lot into thought into this and he wanted to make it more than than the generic sort of teen horror films that were coming at the time it's probably very disheartening and he, totally. he like even at one point wanted to remove himself from the project entirely, take his name off of it. But um, you know, it's an. I think it, obviously he's still associated with it, and he ended up going to do better things later. Luckily, yeah. But um, yeah, it's sort of unfortunate. So that is the story leading up to disturbing behavior, and that knowing all this now has changed my perspective on how to view this movie because at first I was yes. like. This has a lot of problems. Yeah, a shit ton. And now I'm like, now I get why. <laughs> yeah. So let's jump into it. All right, this is disturbing behavior. It's bad. Wrong. Wrong. Bad. No, it's not bad. It's just... Jesus Christ. Disturbing behavior. Released in 1998. Written by Scott Rosenberg. Directed by David Nutter. Our film begins panning from the starry sky onto a car where two teens make out in a car overlooking a cliff. Mary Jo, played by Natasha Malti, and a boy in a blue letterman jacket named Andy Efkin, played by Tobias Meller, are being spied on from a distance by another team named Gavin, played by Nick Stahl. When Mary Jo begins to go down on Andy, Andy is overcome with rage, his pupils turning red, and snaps Mary Jo's neck. Just then, two local police officers arrive and notice the dead Mary Jo in the passenger seat. Andy swiftly grabs Officer Cox's gun and shoots and kills his partner. Officer Cox, played by Steve Railsback, instead decides to protect Andy and sends him on his way. Gavin, witnessing the confrontation, runs home. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Ooh, okay, so this, is, this movie is starting off with, uh, with a little bang, right? Uh, oh, a little bit of bang. <laughs> you know what? Uh, let me tell you this. Before we even jump into the movie, we have this opening credit scene, which yes. honestly, I'm so glad this is a thing of the past because yes. I feel like this should have been the one scene to be cut out of the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, this would. Yeah, this would have made that 115 minute runtime down to the 84. We have <laughs> right. It feels like 20 minutes long. However, I do really enjoy the score. I think the score is actually really haunting. And fun it fact, not fun fact, this isn't a fun fact, this is just an anecdote, but one time <laughs> I went and saw a play version, like a stage version of The Talented Mr. Ripley. Okay. And I was sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden the overture came on, 
and it was the score to this damn movie. And I was like, uh, not copyright uh, issues, mama. <laughs> I was like, you're not gonna fool me. I know who the fuck. I know what the fuck this this is from. No. Yeah. Like the like piano moment. Yeah. So I thought that was funny, and so every time I think of that, I just think of um that theater company stealing this music for their overture to Mr. Ripley. You heard it here first. There are some thieves out there. Yes. Yes. Not just us. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I was confused because the opening credits reminded me of Signs. And then when the movie started, I thought I was watching Cherry Falls. So I was just so confused. Oh, the my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get what they're doing, I think, with this opening credit sequence. I think it's supposed to kind of mirror the the brainwashing the brainwashing uh you know the video. flashes of images yes yes yeah. of just people being people wholesome people running through sprinklers or walking their dogs or whatever it was i don't even know then it's exactly like in 1950s i don't know why the 1950s always gets associated with wholesomeness but it does so it's like cool. i mean yeah it was like a false sense of wholesomeness uh, before yeah, the sexual revolution of the 60s that's right baby <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so in a way, this sort of is like bringing that up. I mean, I think this movie is obviously a a little bit of an update uh, or a 90s update of the Stepford Wives story in a way. Yeah, sort of like a grunge version of the Stepford Wives. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. So we have this opening moment where uh, this boy and this girl, you know, are making out in a car. Very tropey. We see it in like every teen movie ever. Oh my god. It's literally the opening of so many of our movies that we've done so far. Right. I know. I'm like, here we are again, back at fucking Lover's Lane. (laughs) Like, they're gonna start charging us rent. (laughs) Mr. Andy Efkin, who is who was the Tommy Ross in the TV version of Carrie. Yeah, I knew you were going to bring that up. There's a few people from Carrie in this. There and is. So, um, there are. <laughs> they're kind of going at it, and he kind of pushes her off. And he's wearing this like blue Letterman jacket, like um, you know, he's obviously like a jock or something. Somebody obviously who's involved in their school. They're high yeah. schoolers, and it's he's so like, annoying. he like pushes her off, and he's like, I need my fluids. I'm like. Ew. I know. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, he can't sweat or he can't come? Yeah, he well, can't. I know yeah. that, like, when you play sports, I don't know because I've never done it, but I know that they usually <laughs> tell you, like, as more of an adult, like, to not have sex because it builds, oh, like, yeah. your stamina or something. Wait, to not have sex or to have sex? To not. To build up tension in your body oh, or something. I see. Or something okay. like that. I mean, I've heard this the, before. The release is the game. It's the home run. Yeah. It's the goal. <laughs> it's the it's the three-pointer. Those are sports <laughs> terms, right? Yeah, I think so. It's the rundown. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> and so we... Uh, so then he, like, even, like, looks and sees that she has a tattoo. And he's like, why would you do that? That's self-mutilation. But you know what? Is that because the tattoo was there or is that because it was ugly? Yes, it's 100% because it's hideous. Yeah, he was just making a, an observation any of us would make. <laughs> and so, um, and she's like, well, self-mutilate this big boy, which is very oh sexy. God. Yeah, she's <laughs> she knows how to get him. So yeah, she, she knows. <laughs> she, she's a sweet talker, that one. <laughs> yeah. 
Self-mutilate this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah why don't you come up and self-mutilate me sometime? <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, while all this is going on, Gavin, you know, played by Nick Stahl, is, like, watching them, like, pervy from the from a hill cliffside it seems like he does this often too because obviously this is where they go the kids go to hang out make out have sex yeah and here he's just walking his dog past like "Hmm, who's fucking over here tonight yeah i'm like ew that's disgusting (laughs) yeah um, yeah, it's just so random but i guess this is obviously something he does he just perches on that little hill and watches people go at it and then, yeah. um, which is strange because it's not even a good view. How does he even see in there? I know. I don't think I'd be able to see Mary Jo with her dark ass hair giving Andy head, which is what she does. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And when she does, it is the last head she ever gives. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he snaps her fucking neck. Yes. And this moment is vicious. It is shocking. Oh my God. Yeah. Everybody I was watching with gasped. In horror, because it's he, sort of it's sort of sexy at first because uh, you know she's doing it and then he sort of grabs her hair, but the it's so abrupt like the I'm like right oh. well, yeah and well you can see like he like he becomes overcome oh. no pun intended and he <laughs> and he and he like kind of looks up all scary and then they zoom in on his eye and they're like and apparently this was added in post production because. They, the eye was know, never maybe, a thing. They needed to make it more obvious who was a blue ribbon, some, and who was not. Yeah, who something was happening that's weird with these kids. Which does this logistically make sense? Like, I don't think so. But um, it's a little what, more clear than Stafford Wife 2004, but it's still not quite sure. There. Sure, not quite there. And um, so his eye lights up, kind of red, almost like the Terminator, and he snaps her neck. And he picks up her head and he says, slut. And it's like, ooh, all right. So uh-huh. this, is where this, this is where this movie is heading. Yeah, literally. It's already becoming a bit of a parallel between uh, <laughs> slut shaming and violence. Right. You know. You're like, whoa, okay, now you've crossed the line. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> ni- 19- like you already ni- snapped her neck and now she's a slut too. And now no. she's a slut. It has I to be one you. or the other. Don't add insult to injury. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, she's not even alive to own that own that word now. So that's I know. <laughs> yeah, now this is not gonna be on her tombstone, basically. Yeah. Mary Jo <laughs> Chapman slut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's very telling of nineteen ninety eight. They're right. in the nine in the nineties, they were very uh oddly conservative and there's a lot of slut shaming, you know. In, especially in movies and the media and this is obviously a reflection I think these days the roles would be reversed I think Mary Jo in this instance, in this case would be the blue ribbon and Andy would be the you know groveling male teenager right 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 yeah and then he would suck her dick and oh no <laughs> <laughs> you never know um. <laughs> yeah that's true that's true so then this whole scene gets even crazier because the cops show up and uh they see that Mary Jo is dead, and you think that they're obviously going to what arrest this kid? He's yeah, and it's not he, so much Officer Cox. Officer Cox is there, like, hey, I can't wait to see the big game, and the partner's like, yeah, 
There's a dead woman in here. There's a dead person in here. So we're already getting clues that Officer Cox may not be on the right side of the law. Mm -hmm. That is confirmed in a minute because once his partner sees the dead body, he's like, you know, obviously freaking like, out, freaking the hell out. And then Andy grabs Cox's gun and blows him away. And then, and we're like, okay, obviously, okay, cop killer now. He's double murderer. Officer Cox is going to step in. He's going to step up. He's going to uphold the law. And what does he do? He's all, oh, get out of here, boy. Get out of here. I'll I'll handle this. I don't think he has an accent, but. And he throws the dead bodies together in a pile and is like, get out of here, kid. Yeah, get out of here. And, and he like, calls oh, it in. So I'm like, there's more to this. Like, there's obviously, you know, we're already getting the sense that there's more to this story, that more people mm-hmm. are obviously in on this than know what's right, going on. Right, exactly. There's obviously Officer Cox is here to protect the toxic white teenagers who go off and murder women. And uh, obviously very sinister. B. B. What an opening. Sometime later, teenager Steve Clark, played by James Marsden. Oh, oh baby. <laughs> In like peak. Oh, peak hotness. Cheekbones, like for days. Gorgeous. Eyes bluer than the Crescent Bay water. <laughs> <laughs> cradle Bay. The Cradle Bay. Oh, water. when I say Crescent Bay, <laughs> damn it. You went back to Killer Clowns, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. I did. Oh, my God. Uh, eyes bluer than the blue ribbons, Letterman jackets. Gorgeous. Gorge. He arrives in his new town with his sister, Lindsay, played by Catherine Isabel. Which who, uh, when she showed up, I said, who is this not Jenna Malone? And then I was like, wait a minute. It's fucking <laughs> Catherine Isabel. Yes, a young Catherine Isabel. And their parents moved there as well. For a fresh start. <laughs> <laughs> The family has moved to Cradle Bay, a picturesque coastal town in Washington State's what? Puget Sound. It's like an it's like a region of Washington. I knew you're, I was like, if I don't read this one, I know it's gonna. <laughs> we're, we're gonna run into this, yeah. So the Puget they Sound is where? Like, it's like um, a region in the Washington area. Oh, for some reason, I thought this was. In Illinois, but that's where they move from, right? They move they move from Chicago to Washington. Because I was like, why is the ocean here? Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Steve shows signs of dealing with grief and struggling to communicate with his family. Steve arrives at his first day of school at Cradle Bay High School and witnesses a physical altercation between a preppy boy in a blue letterman jacket named Trent and a rebellious motorhead named Dickie. Steve is joined at lunch by Gavin and an albino stoner named U.V., played by <laughs> Chad Donella, who I did not realize was a Chad Donella. I didn't even know who Chad Donella was until I looked him up and realized he's the friend in Final Destination. Yeah, he's Todd in Final Destination. Todd, yes. Anyway, yeah, keep going. <laughs> Gavin and U.V. give Steve the rundown of the cafeteria cliques, motorheads, micro-geeks, skaters, and the most sinister, the Blue Ribbons, a community group of preppy teens that includes Andy Efkin and Trent. At dinner that night, Steve lashes out at his parents for not allowing him or Lindsay to talk about their deceased brother, Alan, played by Ethan Embry. What? What a waste I of know. talent. What a waste of talent. Why? He is all, He is constantly wasted. We had the same thing to say about him in vacancy. Oh my God. Literally. Such As a waste. mechanic. <laughs> As yeah, the mechanic. <laughs> yeah. 
Meanwhile, Dickie arrives at a secluded dock under the impression he is picking up some car parts. However, he is ambushed by Trent, Andy, and a large group of the Blue Ribbons who surround him and begin to attack. Ooh, alright. So, uh, we start meeting our main characters here. We got Steve. We already talked about Dreamboat, James Marsden. We talked about uh, baby girl Catherine Isabel, who honestly, in the upcoming season, because we we already have our uh, whole, whole docket out for season three, uh, honestly, we'll be talking about her a lot. Yeah, wink, we wink. will. Wink, wink. <laughs> I wonder if you can uh, figure it out. You can take a bite out of that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, get it. I get it. We get it. We get it. Okay, okay, okay. Um. So yeah. So Catherine Isabel is, is in this, and she's obviously very green at acting in this because i'm like dang girl you've gotten much better yes yeah she's definitely improved okay wait something i'm confused by they're on the boat coming to their new hometown and they see this boat boat the rowboat what is that about is that ever explained i don't know i think there's like several moments in this like opening moment like where you're I'm assuming you're supposed to think something sinister is, is coming their way. He's like he sees this empty rowboat and I'm like is are we supposed to assume that somebody died and the rowboat's just <laughs> floating by itself and that's why he's like kind of sketched out by it and then also when they're leaving the boat the police officer whoever who's like guiding them out of the ferry is like you'll never want to leave and he's like what? What does that mean? It's like sinister. <laughs> it's like that's just what people. I mean, he was just obviously being nice, but maybe he wasn't. Yeah. But the fact he that wasn't. he's like ca- catching on to these things is very strange and a little too soon. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, the rowboat thing—it's like um, I don't even think that was explained in one of the deleted scenes. So let's cut that out. Like, there's there were opportunities to cut out other things. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I almost added "row, row, row your boat" to soundtrack Sunday. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> By the artist Children's Nursery Rhymes. Yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so um, we start to see that the kids are sort of dealing with something more Steve than Lindsay. She's just she's too young, I guess. To care yeah, about. he's having nightmares. He's having some angst over these visions of a VHS in his head that has <laughs> just his brother talking. Yeah. yeah. And again, they keep it pretty um, ominous at this point. We don't really know what's going on, but he's struggling. Yeah. Very little interaction with with his parents at this point, um, which we come to find out from the cuts was that they had a much bigger part to play in this film. But (sighs) unfortunately, due to the cuts, they decided to feature the kids more and cut out mostly everything having to do with the parents. So right now, I guess we're just focusing on Steve. And so Steve goes to school first day we see this in movies all the time mm-hmm. new kid stunningly gorgeous that everybody nobody looks twice at <laughs> i know and i read a little tidbit that james marsden was actually kind of geeky in school which i find that hard to believe i'm like oh, sure he was sure. smart but i mean come yeah, on he's like same. a total panty dropper babe he literally looks like a Calvin Klein model, just like walking the runway through these halls, and everybody's like, "Who's this new loser?" I mean, no, they're not that. 
they're, they're not that dramatic yeah. about it, but not since I, Greece too have we seen such a <laughs> such a distortion of reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Because also, um, I feel like this happens in movies a lot, where every time the guy is the new kid in school, everybody kind of ignores them, even though like the actor is usually super hot. But anytime right. a girl, even if she's average looking, is that new in school, everyone oh, is staring God. at her. Yeah, they're like, she doesn't know she's beautiful. Let me tell her. You know what? This is just garbage. Yeah, this is very much the plot of Twilight so far. <laughs> it even looks like it takes place in the same place. Twilight oh, yeah. takes place. Like this, like, coastal town. Especially in because Washington. I feel like a lot of these movies are, you know, filmed in Canada. Yeah. And you can always tell when a movie is Canadian, especially considering a lot of the actors in this. <laughs> right, because they all come with a scratch and sniff that smells like maple syrup. <laughs> Whenever time you open the DVD box, that's literally what comes out. <laughs> yeah, just syrup and bacon. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I bought this DVD, I actually had a little bit of syrup stuck on the outside of mine. I was like, damn, they fucking distributed this from Canada too. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so he like shows up, and um, you know, he has, he witnesses. On the first day, first of all, this teacher that he has in this English class is so strange and weird. First of all, the wig, mama. <laughs> the wig of it all? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell from the front, but as soon as they tore it to the back, and I'm like, why does he have two hairlines? I'm like, uh... Oh my god. Girl, this toupee. He's all, do you? Do they read Dickens in Chicago? No shit. No, yeah. they don't. No, we're all stupid. Only in Washington, the epicenter of the 90s grunge reads Charles Luckin <laughs> yeah. Dickens. Are you yeah, fuck me? you. Yeah, fuck you. Kiss my ass. Um, <laughs> and then Dickie walks in and he's like, looks like someone woke up on the wrong side of the carburetor. I'm like, Whoop, how fucking yuck, dare yuck, you? Yuck, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny, actually. But yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's he's not. You can't be talking like that to students. Yeah. And like, I love how they're really pushing this like motorhead like click i know i'm like <laughs> did you have a motorhead click in your school because no. the kids at my school couldn't even afford cars let alone motorcycles yeah motorheads like or okay like, but yeah yeah looks oh, like you woke yeah. up on the wrong side of the carburetor dicky and dicky he got those sideburns and that hat it was a shame too what they did to him because i actually did think that he looked hotter as motorhead than he did as a really oh i think the opposite but, but that's uh, our taste. That's our taste. <laughs> our taste. You yeah. know, Jake likes very clean cut, very cute, and I like like dirty, like <laughs> <laughs> mess. Yikes! Mess Yikes. Of, a mess of a man. <laughs> <laughs> he like witnesses this physical fight on his first day between this character Trent, who's one of the blue ribbons, and uh, Dick. Super the- cute, honestly. Yeah, they all. I'm telling you, once they turn into blue ribbons. Can get it. <laughs> well, actually, a lot of these guys are cute, even the ones in the background. I was I was distracted multiple times by some of the extras in the back. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. When, so that- fun fact, when they show the motorheads, one of the motorheads that they show, who I was just fixated on, plays Chad Donella's brother in Final Destination, who actually dies on the airplane. Oh, I think I saw him. You saw him? Like, like, where do like, I know I've him seen, from, right? I've, yeah, I was like, I've seen that nose before. Yeah, exactly. Mm, <laughs> he's so hot to me. Yeah, he's okay. he's sexy. And so, uh, it's he's already like weirded out by this like weird thing that he just witnessed. And then he's like, "All right, lunchtime. 
And then this movie goes full on Mean Girls, which I have to say, actually, Mean Girls probably goes full on disturbing behavior with this, you know. Let's break yeah. down the clicks around this us. This, yeah. yeah, this is like teen movie 101. Real nice, mama. Yeah. So we get like really odd clicks, too. Like, uh, these are clicks that I don't, I've never seen in movies before. I've never had motorheads, micro geeks. I'm like, what? Sk- what yeah. are that? Skaters. Okay, but that that is like yeah. so stapled 90s. But then that's it. And then the blue ribbons. Those yeah, are the there only- are four clicks. And if you don't fit into those, then you're yeah. UV and Gavin, yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah, you better stick to the status quo. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I want. <laughs> I actually think something clever they did with the filmmaking here is that they changed the tints, which I we learned about in, yeah. in one of the videos that we watched in preparation for this, that they changed the tints to sort of reflect the groups of what they were, like more grungy yellow for the skaters, yeah. and more greenish, you know for the motorheads and blue for the blue ribbons right. obviously. Exactly. The blue for the blue ribbons and the blue ribbons are these this like really scary click of just really preppy. They almost look like characters from Riverdale. Oh yeah, exactly. That sort of like 50s modern take on the 50s. Yeah, it's like a melding of 90, 90s and 50s. All the girls have straight bangs mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, which is really evil. Sort of like Jawbreaker. That's what I was getting <laughs> from this, because they are also like very like 90s meets the 50s in Jawbreaker. Right. So I kind of got that styling. And all this is being broken down by Gavin, and Gavin has brought his little buddy UV, who's this like albino Steve stoner. Steve is f- completely freaked out by at first. <laughs> <laughs> you see like, his face, I'm... you see Jay Marsden's face when he walks up. Like, He's Whoa. like, oh my god. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Did you, Why you did they known? do no, no, no. this to him? I know. I don't understand what... First of all, I don't understand the point of the character of UV in general. Even after the Me movie's either. over, I'm like, Why, what, what did he contribute to this? Besides the, Other th- the alternate ending, but... They should have established him more as a best, best friends with Gavin. Right. Exactly. He's... I mean, maybe he ends up on the cutting room floor a lot, but um, at this point, he's just sort of there to to assist Gavin in looking more like an outsider from like a writing perspective, I would say. Yeah. You know, so he's like the stoner and, and Gavin is, he kind of explains this breakdown of the cafeteria, like very philosophically. He's very, uh, you know, he seems very wise and uh, very in love with his own words. <laughs> like he loves to hear himself yeah, speak clearly. He's a wordsmith for sure. Yeah, yeah, and he's like a philosopher and uh, I think they described him as like a sage type character. I think the character was originally supposed to be different. He was supposed to be more loudmouth. But Nick right, but Nick Stahl's performance like caused them or his audition caused them to rewrite the character as like a more wise character, wise beyond his years. Mm-hmm. This is a motif that also Cabin in the Woods played on, where it's like this: the the stoner is like it does not, you know, qualify. They are not to be um, influenced by what's going on in the rest of the movie. Like they're yeah. they, they look at it from a philosophical standpoint. Totally, yeah, and that's what stoners do. It, 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 marijuana <laughs> just opens your mind, man. 
Oh my bullshit. god, you took the words out of my mouth. Like, marijuana opens the mind, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, um, Steve's really like, whoa, this is overwhelming for the first day. But um, that makes sense. So, later at night, he's having dinner at home. Lindsay has somehow made a best friend in a day. I know. Who doesn't know how to spell phlegm. <laughs> yeah. Stupid hoe. And then, like... <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, like this girl's very familiar very fast. I thought your name was Steve. Oh, right. They mention the name Alan, which is, uh, we come to find out, is their deceased sibling. And I know. This, girl this is bad girl. writing. This <laughs> is bad writing. Because it's like, um, spell phlegm, she spells it wrong, and then she goes, my brother, Alan, was the best speller. <laughs> and then yeah. she's like, I thought your name was Steve. Then we get this explanation as to who these visions are in uh, Steve's yeah. mind. Right, which turns out to be uh, his dead brother, Alan, played by Ethan Embry. We don't get an explanation yet what happened, but we know he's dead. And now we're like, oh, okay, now I get it. This is why yeah. Steve was literally sitting on his bed staring at the wall. Uh, and based on know. how they're portraying him in these visions, you can kind of get a sense of what, uh, how Alan may have died. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't really question it. I'm like, I, I know exactly how he died. Yeah, he totally. He clearly totally. committed suicide. Right. Yeah. That totally tracks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Steve stomps away. He's very angry because his dad's like, I don't... Can we change the subject? And he's like, God, whatever your name is, does your family not let you talk about your dead grandpa? And yeah. Then she's like, I have like, a grandpa who died. <laughs> <laughs> she's so sensitive, this girl. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she's so empathetic and understanding. She's like, I have a grandpa who died. I don't understand where the discipline comes in because he's like, pass the plate, and Steve's pass your plate. Steve's like, why? We can't even talk about our dead brother. It's like, what is happening? Like, I don't understand. I mean, hey, grief is a crazy thing, you know. People lash yeah. out in many, in many different ways, and um, he took it out on his dad and the plates. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so then we move to Dickie. We're back to Dickie, right? Just got in a big fight with Trent, uh, you know, but he's a motorhead. So he's doing motorhead things like picking up Mustang parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he like, he like ends up at this like secluded, like Marina, <laughs> by, like by himself, <laughs> which is obviously yeah. is where you would pick up things, not houses yeah. or anything like that. Just. No one seems to be around, so naturally he calls out into the darkness. Yes. Hey, I'm here for some Mustang parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you would do. And um <laughs> but it's not it's not the Mustang part people. It is the blue ribbon. It's Trent and he's all, hey bitch. And yeah. <laughs> Andy's there and he's all, hey bitch. And then a bunch of them show up. And, he's and they're like, hey, bitch. <laughs> yeah, they're all, they're all, hey, bitch, hey, bitch, hey, bitch. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he's cornered now, and he, uh, they he surround him. He fucking gets him. jumped. He gets jumped by these group of preppy kids, and yeah. which is obviously a, a big difference from how they look. They look like they would be peaceful and, you know, good kids, but... They're constantly proving us wrong. So it's not just Andy Efkin and Trent who have problems. Mm-hmm. It's all of them. Yeah, which I, uh, which we'll get into it, but it makes me question what this programming is all about. But hey. Right, of course. Okay, so we're at this point, we don't have much 
analysis yet. I know we're just sort of going through the motions, but this is all set up at this point. We're yeah. There's yeah, nothing contributing to what we'll come to know as a storyline. Right. So far. Yeah, yeah. At school, Steve is called into the office to meet with Dr. Edgar Caldicott, played by Bruce Greenwood, who claims to know about the tragedy surrounding his brother and tries to convince Steve to join the Blue Ribbons. Steve is not receptive. Steve is then introduced by Gavin to Rachel, played by Katie Holmes, a rebel girl who's referred to as... Co- Oops. Um, that the- <laughs> as a cock, as cock riding trash. <laughs> Excuse me, Cook's Ridge trash. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. (laughs) As the three of them hustle for an adult to buy them alcohol outside the local grocery store, Rachel is approached by a blue ribbon named Charles Chug Roman, played by A.J. Buckley, who invites her out but is driven away by Gavin. This is the second week in a row we've had a character named Chug. Yes, yes. <laughs> Chugs without the S. Chug. Literally, I've Chugs. never heard anybody be referred to this. Now we have two. Now we have two in a row. Bing, bang, yeah. boom. <laughs> in the store, Chug catches a glimpse of Rachel outside, becomes consumed by rage, and assaults two innocent bystanders who accidentally run into him. Officer Cox is there again to defuse the situation. Rachel informs Steve of the rumors surrounding the Blue Ribbon's fits of rage, while Gavin insists that it's not roid rage, but something more sinister going on. In the boiler room at school, Gavin confesses to Steve about witnessing Andy kill Mary Jo that night, but that he has no way to prove it. They then meet the kooky janitor, Mr. Newberry, played by William Sadler, who crawls out of the sewer with a dead rat. Mr. Newberry has created a new high-frequency device meant to scare away the rats, but insists the machine is a failure. Soon after, Dickie reappears at school, now one of the Blue Ribbons, having donated his once-prized car to a demolition fundraiser. Okay, now we're getting more story. Yes. Like, now, let's yeah. get into it. Okay, so first, we Stevie is called into the office and meets... I guess he's talking to the principal and like a counselor and then here right. comes Dr. Caldecott with his flesh-toned mustache. <laughs> I know. My roommate could not get over it. She was so grossed out by the mustache but I was like, I'm kind of into it. I really? It just looks like it looked like I'm a weird. puffy puffy skin under <laughs> on top of his lip. <laughs> I was like, I was like, like mm, ew. It's kind of cute but maybe that's just because that's how my mustache is. <laughs> It's not. No, it's not. Because your yours matches your hair color. His is like, it does not match his hair color. It matches mm. his skin tone. Mm, you know right, I mean? right. Yeah. So, uh, already, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, this is already, like, we know that he's right. clearly the villain. This was the biggest jump scare in the movie so far. We're like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that mustache. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, these blue ribbon people, they waste no time trying to recruit. Right. They're like. Right. Even you've, been here, you've been here a day and a half. All right, you got to join. Yeah. And so, um, they, yeah, and somehow they know of his past. They even, like, they kind of piss him off, right? Because they're like, we know about yeah. your brother. He wants and, to say, uh, don't fucking talk about my brother. Keep my fucking yeah. name out your mouth. <laughs> That's right. That's what he should have said. But, you know, Steve, he keeps his cool. He just sort of storms out, you know, because he's like, no, I, like, I'm too hot I'm, for this. 
Yeah, I'm way too hot for this. Um, <laughs> I don't need a makeover to be hot like some of these other boys. <laughs> right, exactly. Dickie, I guess, you know, right. is what you're so, referring to. <laughs> right, but obviously we learn at this point that Dr. Caldecott is the one spearheading this Blue Ribbons organization. Yes. So then uh, Steve walks outside, you know, got to get out, got to get some fresh air. And who does he see? But a, a s- stripper. <laughs> but, a, but a wriggling and writhing Katie Holmes just, you know, living her life in the back of her truck, in the bed of her truck. Just I'm literally so confused by her character because what we come to get to know Rachel as is not the girl dancing in the back of her truck in front of everybody. Like I know. she's sort of like this disturbed rebellious Angry girl. Like, girl I don't think that she's trying to get attention by fucking snake charming out of the back <laughs> of her truck <laughs> but <laughs> it's like but the, how this see how I don't know if it's just how they edited this or it's what editing. but it's hilarious because at first she's like she's like you know just living for herself right like nobody around her she looks kind of carefree and then the next shot, like, they kind of cut to Steve, and he's like, who's that? And they cut yeah. to her, and then she kind of was, like, tentatively looking around, like, is, any, is anybody noticing? Is, yeah. Does anybody see that? Anybody and then see me wiggling out of my right. truck <laughs> sexily? Yeah, dancing. and then they kind of cut back to him, and he's like, ugh, he's, like, drooling, you know? And then they cut uh-huh. back to her, and then she's, like, scowling. She's, like, mad because nobody noticed. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> and then she, like, sits down. She's like... And that that seemed to be Katie's. Uh, that seemed to be her go-to with this character. Uh, she's like she's yeah trashy. She's gonna scowl a lot, and so she does. But, she's just like also the way you just explained the- it makes more sense because now I'm like okay because when Chug gets gives her attention, she's like kind of all for it. So maybe she just needs mm. attention. Maybe oh. I know. I think we in our minds were like, oh, she's like a rebel girl. She's confident in herself. But Honestly, she looks not. great. She looks great. She looks hot. Yeah, like, she looks great in this grunge look. I'm yeah, I'm it. living for her. I love the dark eye. She has a great bod. She can lo- use a little more booty, but it could also just be <laughs> the, the baggy pants. jeans. The baggy, <laughs> baggy jeans. <laughs> and um, yeah, and she's like hot rebel girl and then so gavin's like hey that's my buddy let me introduce you no like, wait gavin pulls up on steve and says you like that oh yeah and, you like it. and steve goes what, what is, is it? it excuse me um are we looking at the same thing yeah <laughs> like he's all talking about the car and <laughs> yeah. what is it it's a 1968 ford pickup truck yeah. <laughs> wow, it's really old. It's vintage. <laughs> and so, yeah, so they go up to it and they go. Yeah. <laughs> and, and its um, name is Rachel. And its name is Rachel. And uh, he's all this. Is Not Rachel. her preferred pronouns being it and that girl. Like <laughs> <laughs> girl. <laughs> Why'd they do this to her? Why'd they do this to her? And then he's like, constantly referring to her as trash he's like this is cook's ridge trash i'm like oh my god rude i know and she's like fuck you gavin she's like fuck you and they're like yeah and i guess her and they her and gavin have this sort of you know friendly dynamic where they just 
shit on each other, which is great. I'm all for that. I'm like that with my friends. Honestly, I know somebody with Rachel's attitude. It's my little sister. She, oh, like, throughout God. the entire movie, I was like, Rachel's my little sister. Because, like, this is exactly how she acts. Very moody and broody and... Moody and moody. <sighs> Eye-rolling. <laughs> Ooky spooky and pretty much dookie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like dookie. Just kidding. Love you, says. Yeah. <laughs> so then they're like, okay, what do you want to do? They're like, why don't we just like go by the whatever and drink some beers? Because they're grungy, right? That's what grunge kids do in the 90s. Yeah. They're, they have nothing going for them. So might And as you well. know what she says to that? Sounds razor. Sounds razor. I love that. I had to include that in our <laughs> episode announcement on Instagram because I was like, honestly, this episode sounds razor. <laughs> it is so, it is so trying to make fetch happen. It's hilarious. It is because I was like, did anyone say that in the nineties? No. Because no. There was a lot of stuff that happened like this in Clueless that actually caught on to the mainstream, but this, I'm like, not nah, there's, there's The dialogue of this movie is sometimes very confusing because they, I don't know if this, yes. is, if this is actual 90s slang or what, but there were some things that they call each other or say that I'm like, what the hell are you saying? Literally, if I wasn't watching this with subtitles, I would have oh, been lost. The fact that I watched it with subtitles maybe even more lost. I probably would have just glossed <laughs> over it. Like, oh, I didn't understand, but I saw what it was and I was like what is a bimmy he's all he at one point later on the film Gavin calls Rachel a bimmy bitch I was like bimmy I looked it up and all I could find was bimmy bamboo lash bimmy bamboo lash (laughs) (laughs) like I was like bimmy 90s slang nothing what's a bimmy bitch and then she called him a pucker ass, which I mean, that one's a little more obvious. The insult like, in this the, uh, earlier, Dickie called his teacher a peckerhead. So oh, I'm like, you know what? A huge one. And that one comes back a lot in this movie. They are like, yeah. peckerhead, peckerhead. It's like, but Rachel hey. has a few lines that I'm like, what are you talking about, girl? Yeah, what the hell are you saying? This sounds like you're speaking a different language. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's just. Maybe we're just out of touch. Maybe we're it's just not of our time to understand. But mm-hmm. every other piece of 90s uh, media I've ever seen, I've never heard these words that these kids speak. <sighs> Me either. So um, they're out there hustling for, for alcohol, um, really hoping that Sue Ann is going to walk by. She never does. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, she might have thrived in Cradle Bay. Oh yeah, absolutely. She 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 would probably be a blue ribbon by this point. Yeah. Ma, this is a reference to Ma, by the way. Yes, yes. Octavia Spencer. Yes. Go listen to our episode on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, while while this is, they're trying to hustle for alcohol. Nobody's biting, and Gavin again is staying on that philosophical grind. He's just like. Uh, the problem is the adults of today don't appreciate like whatever who cares like shut up teen angst yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, Yeah, it's like the desire for teenage delinquency or i don't know something like that and then uh we have our first interaction between chug and rachel yes and chug is all he's a blue ribbon and he's like supposedly like the captain of some shit like i'm all (sighs) Him? Of the mathletes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of the geek squad? Like, what is that? Like, and 
clearly he must have had some type of history with Rachel. Like, not as far as, like, a sexual or dating history, but more like a we've been knowing each other since elementary school type of way. Sure. Because he's the only person in this movie that calls her Ray. So, hey, Ray. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe and they Ray had Ray. A, Maybe they had a past in a positive way. You never know. It seems yeah, like maybe they, they were they... sandbox friends. Right, exactly. Maybe he always had a crush on her when he was himself. But right now he is blue ribbon. And she's like, and he's like, hey, like, when do you want to go out with me? And she she's like, and, uh, and she's like, uh, uh, maybe. But no, she doesn't say maybe. But <laughs> he can't really get a word in edgewise because Gavin interrupts him every word, yeah. you know. And finally, he gets fed up and he's like, whatever, like I'm leaving. And then Gavin like gives her shit for like taking the compliment. At this point, we know that Steve has eyes for Rachel, and we obviously know that Chug has a crush on Rachel. Do we also think that Gavin may have a crush on Rachel, and that's why he keeps interrupting Chug? I mean, probably. I mean, he's probably... I mean, like, who wouldn't? If, I mean, yeah, she's this, the, if I was in this movie, she's the hottest girl in the movie. In the movie, yeah. Well, At I'm, least yeah. as far as the eye can see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not Lorna, girl. Yeah, not fake Heather Graham. <laughs> but anyway, we'll get to her. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... <laughs> So then this scene in the grocery store happens, and this scene is lightweight funny. It is honestly comedic. Like, I was like, is this from Deadpool? <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is ridiculous. So he goes into the grocery store, and he's, like, buying milk. There's a lot of milk mm-hmm. drinking in this movie, by the or way. Or a milkshake or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Says, where's my shake? Yeah. He, maybe he's, like, buying milk to make a milkshake. These kids are obsessed with milkshakes in this movie. Like, yeah, and yogurt. and t- yeah. Maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just supposed to be like wholesome God, drinking. Well, milk is or like, you know, a wholesome treat. Yeah, milk is the devil. And they're all going to get cancer. <laughs> Honestly, there is one drop of pus in every gallon of milk. That's right. The non-vegan said it, so don't kill me for that. <laughs> so if you're buying two gallons worth of milk, two pus pumps in each of your two gallon jugs girl yeah yeah i do not drink cow milk i no. eat cheese but cow milk uh-uh sure nope nope nope, nope, nope. right 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 yeah neither do i <laughs> and Sorry. so um do you really so as he's in line <laughs> he's like these like two like bros are behind him and they're like goofing off and one of them runs into him and before this chug is looking out the the door and just gazing at a sexily standing Rachel and she's just she's just existing right she's not even wiggling in the car like she was before she's just you know she just looks moody she's looking around yeah and he starts getting horny for her he's getting yeah his little bone bone starts to pop up yeah he starts getting a little chub if you know (laughs) oh oh (laughs) Chug's letting his choke come out oh Oh, my god ew (laughs) And so he's like, and then all of a sudden he starts getting really mad. His little eye gets red. It's all bing. And, um, <laughs> and the guy, one of the bros behind him who are goofing off run into him. And he full on goes like ape, ape shit on them. On them. He just like beats the fuck out of them. Rips one of their septum piercings out with Ooh. his hand. Ow. Just like, ah! like that guy in Indiana Jones, the devil yeah. who rips out the heart. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like <laughs> triumphantly holding the septum piercing in the air. And the then they like, show the outside of the supermarket and you see bodies flying oh in the my air. God. It's actually <laughs> very funny. Like It's I don't hilarious. Think, I, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. That's the thing. I think it's supposed to be like, whoa, but there's Honestly, no Honestly, there are moments of this that I'm like, was this intended to be sort of like a dark comedy? Because there are I elements. I don't think it was. I think this moment is supposed to be intense, but just how know. they filmed it, like all of a sudden Chug has like super strength, which I don't right. think is explored by any other blue ribbon in ever you know, in the rest of this movie, but he has the ability to <laughs> throw these grown men as if they were, you know, baby dolls, like through the air. I think they might su- suppose, I think they are supposed to be like athletically stronger than the rest because sure. they do mention that, you know, some of the jocks are like, you know, their answer to like OJ and these, you know, these great football players at the time. You know? Okay. All right. Um, sure. But sure, I don't even right. think OJ could do that. But, but even honestly, like after the fight is over and the guy with the septum piercing like gets up full of blood and he's like, what's your deal, man? <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? And then he's like, oh, and just attacks him yes. again. Flips him over. Like a fucking like- bull. And there's Officer Cox to witness everything. Yeah, just, you know, getting his groceries and he's all, oh, come on, son. And then he's then Chug snaps out of it and he's like, where's my, my milkshake? <laughs> and that's the last we see of it. As far as we know, Chug, who just assaulted these men, gets off scot-free again. So again, yeah. Officer Cox is, is uh, he's, he's in there's, on it. Some, there's yeah. a lot of commentary here. There's a lot of commentary here about police yeah. um, with the white kids and, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and like also- protecting protecting problematic youth because they have bright futures because okay. there's because they're because the, yes because they're clean cut white kids because he's a promising young man sure yeah right exactly exactly <laughs> wink 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 <laughs> wink <you> next week <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then also obviously this is also like a parallel or a social commentary on what kids experience during puberty, even though this is sort of like post-puberty, but this sexual tension that teenagers experience. Right, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's like sort of a hyperbole of like raging hormones and... and (laughs) Literally. Because this is the second time we've seen sexual frustration lead to um, violence. uh, Violence, yeah. Which, you know, that's... I mean, at least they're portrayed as like the the villains in this film. (laughs) But it's, still, it's like, woo. But, uh, yeah. you know, Rachel, she calls it toxic jock syndrome. So she's equating it to like what we would probably refer to as roid rage. You know, she's yeah. like, I, she's like, I think it has to do with, uh, you know, and I'd heard, she's heard stories before of people, you know, taking steroids or drugs steroids. or something and then having these um, violent outbursts. But Gavin's like, nah. He's like, I know for a fact that there's something crazier going on. And she's like, oh my god. He's like over here with this conspiracy theory about <laughs> whatever. Yeah, here we go again. Yeah, here we go again. And he's like, no, you just like, She's really upset about this, too. I don't like this scene. Yeah, it's yeah I'm like... Yeah, why don't, why don't you believe him? Yeah, she's just so pissed off that he would even bring this up. Or at least that's what her face is looking like. I'm like, girl, chill out. 
She's scowling. I told you that is Katie Holmes's go-to when she's like, yeah. I don't know what choice to make. She's like, mm, I'm <laughs> mad. This is so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a weird cut because obviously they're having this conversation about what Gavin's talking about, but then we cut to the next day and Gavin is still in the middle of having the conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leading um, Steve to the boiler room of the school where he hides yeah. his cigarettes. Right. He's like, we're going to go smoke. What is it called? The, the cancer corner? Cancer corner. <laughs> yeah, cancer corner. And they go down there to smoke. And he's like, no, like, I, you know, I saw these people get murdered, blah, blah, blah. And Steve's like, yeah, whatever, man. I'm sure you did. And, and up from the gutter pops uh, Mr. Newberry. Popeye himself. <laughs> Literally the most ridiculous character in the movie. Oh my god. So yeah, out pops Mr. Newberry. And he's like, um, how do I sensitively like explain uh, Mr. Newberry? Okay, well, Gavin kind of equates him to... Boo Radley and yeah, Boo to Radley Kill Mockingbird. And a couple other characters. Oh, Quasimodo. Yeah. Boo the Radley, village Quasimodo, idiot. the village idiot is what he refers I don't, to him as. But see, his performance isn't giving me like a mental... Sure. A, a I don't know. I, I don't know. Like a mental problem. It just seems so sort of like he's just this, you know... Like kooky, fumble, zany... Fumbling fool. Yeah. Yeah. Bumbling, yeah. It, it's interesting. Just like a weird... <laughs> who has who has like a who has like a vendetta against these rats in in the school which are like okay obviously this has this is gonna go somewhere right and then he's like I, I created this machine that is supposed to get rid of the rats but it doesn't work listen to this high frequency noise I mean I will say it's a bit predictable that this is gonna obviously come into play later but I'm glad they had to introduce it somehow yeah they go outside and there's like a charity some sort of fundraiser where they're car demolition a car the blue ribbons are just going at it and they're cheering and everybody's loving it and we notice that dicky dicky motorhead dicky is now a blue ribbon and they are and he's smashing up his own car the whole reason that made him a motorhead in the first place right now what is he a peckerhead. Now he's a fucking motherfucking <laughs> peckerhead. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're gagged. They're like, oh my god. Goops. Yes. They're like, not dicky. Later that night <laughs> at the local yogurt shoppe. <laughs> shoppy? What's a shoppy? Love, yeah, it was a shoppy. I love how Gavin says that. He's like, shop, shoppy. Like, what's a shoppy? What, what the fuck is a shoppy? <laughs> the local yogurt shop. Steven is approached by Trent, who insists on introducing him to the Blue Ribbons, including Chug, Dickie, and a girl named Lorna, played by Crystal Gas. <laughs> gas. <laughs> Crystal has gas. <laughs> Crystal has gas. Hmm. Gavin interrupts the meeting, and he and Steve leave together. Gavin decides to convince Steve once and for all of his brainwashing theory by showing him an old picture of him partying with several of the now Blue Ribbons. Gavin then takes Steve to spy on a Blue Ribbon parent meeting where one parent voices concern over their child's new unkindness, but Dr. Caldecott writes it off as a newfound sense of pride. Gavin is then horrified to see that his parents have arrived at the meeting and will be volunteering him for the program. 
Gavin pulls out a gun and declares that he is going to kill his parents and whoever is waiting for him at his house before the Blue Ribbons can take him. Steve wrestles the gun away, leaving Gavin defenseless against his new fate. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So Steve is just out for a casual stroll and comes by the yogurt shoppy. Yeah. You know, and sees these Riverdale ass kids in here, you know, having a great time. Uh, drinking having, milk. Drinking milk. Just, yeah, getting their calcium. Honestly, yeah. they're probably just in, it, like, they're drinking so much milk that they're probably just inheriting the rage that the cow had <laughs> that was being held against his will, pumped with this pest-filled milk. Yeah, this is actually a comment on the dairy industry. <laughs> yeah, this is why dairy should go. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so uh, he goes in. I don't know what he goes in there for. He's, like, kind of looking at the menu. I'm like, did you want to talk to these people? I think he kind of did, right? I think he kind of wanted to get, like, their perspective. But he's like, I'm just going to hide it as wanting a fucking cup of yogurt. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'm going to get some yogurt. Uh, oh, hey, guys. Yeah, Trent, so, right? Trent, <laughs> right? Yeah. So Trent's like, hey, brother. Come meet my friends. And then he like introduces them. First of all, there are so many of them sitting in this booth. That is obviously evil too. Like only evil people would sit like 12 to a table for meant for six. Ew. Yeah. This is so weird. And he's like, this is, you know, Becky, Holly, Noreen, Doreen. (laughs) (laughs) Becky, Biggs, Jesse, Carla, Polly, Noreen, (laughs) Doreen. (laughs) He's like, and I'm trend so yeah no he's like going down the line and you're meeting all these people and they're all pretty you know forgettable one girl Lorna played by Crystal Cass in her first and last movie role ever no yeah I know she had so much promise I know, no. And honestly, we were introduced to Lorna earlier in the film as yes. kind of sort of being like the apple of the eye of Gavin. Yeah, um, the, like the the object of his masturbatory fantasies. <laughs> like Exactly, right. very that. But I'm like, not with that hair, girl. Yeah, not with that Casey Becker ass hair. Not with that fucking Casey Becker and stab ass wig. Yeah, and stab, <laughs> not, not Casey not, not, not Drew, uh-uh, no. Yeah. I honestly, I think when I was a kid, I honestly... Honestly, thought she was Heather Graham, and then I was like, "But she kind of doesn't look like Heather Graham." I don't know who I was expecting this to be, <laughs> because I she honestly one of the before rewatching it this time, I had rarely ever seen this movie, and I remember being like, "Who is the blonde girl?" Because I remember that was like, you know, we'll get to right. it, but that was one of the scenes, Iconic the scenes. movie stealing shows. Yeah, I mean, scenes, yeah. So, uh, so he's like going around, and uh, he's yeah, he's trying to be open-minded to their perspective and and um he, but but he, like, called, yeah but he calls it out he's like hey trent like didn't you guys like literally get in a fight the other day and he's like <laughs> yeah but you know we found peace that's what separates us from the animals and he's like okay whatever the hell uh, that means like what the fuck did you just call me bitch yeah, yeah excuse me <laughs> get and up then, get the fuck up yeah <laughs> And then Gavin comes in. He's all, hey, Steve, I need to talk to you. And they're like, they, they all get up, you know? It's confrontation yeah. time. It's sharks versus right. jets. And they're right. all, 
what are you doing in our yogurt shoppy? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm just trying to talk to Steve. Trying to save him. Then the insult of all insults comes when Randy or whatever the hell her name is goes, why don't you make like a tree and leave? Girl, when she said that, I was like, the library like, is oh open. <laughs> I was like, you were. I fucking death dropped. I was. Right. I was gooped, gagged. Yeah, gooped. I'm like, yeah, you know the, what? The gumption, the audacity, or whatever it is that taste says. This bitch may not be a lot of things, but what she is is a motherfucking comedian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You are the winner of this mini challenge. <laughs> Girl. But then when Gavin is explaining to Steve, like, no, I knew these kids before you did. And oh. we, I used to party with them. Then we see that this bitch making these corny ass jokes with snorting coke off the bitch, motherfucking table. That picture, I guffawed. I can't, I, it was so funny. He's like, look. And it's just this extravagant picture of these actors. <laughs> She's like, I think she's, I think she's smoking a cigarette, but it does look like she's snorting cocaine. Uh, oh, I thought it was a straw. I know it looks like a straw, but I was like, because I think I noticed that too. I was like, whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, but it's just them like partying, but they look so ridiculous. This this picture looks like almost like an advertisement for like a like a rock band or a, they look like they're like backstage, <laughs> like an album cover. Yeah, this something. Looks- oh yeah. This is so fucking stupid. This is like the fucking um, Rolling Stones, like fucking partying. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, these. He's like, these are my friends. He's he's actually in the picture. If you notice, he's like on the side, like yeah, yeah, which is just so ridiculous. Yeah, but I laughed out loud. It was so funny. And um, he's like, look, I'm going to prove it to you. This is crazy. He's like, all right, fine. (laughs) Prove it to me. And so um, they go to the school where there's like like an evil PTA meeting happening. (laughs) And it's, uh, you know, they're like, I don't even know where they are. Somehow they're like in the vents or something looking down like in yeah. the ceiling. I, honestly, I, it, it's weird the way these kids get around. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. They're always in the boiler room, the vents. In the fucking rooms of a mental asylum. Yeah. Like, girl. So they're like watching through this grate and um, Dr. Caldecott, he's there leading this little Q&A with the parents who one woman's like, I don't know about this. Like, my kid is, like, kind of an asshole now. Like, to everybody who's, like, not a blue ribbon. And he's like, that, that I know how that seems. But that's just them having a sense of pride. It's like, what? Yeah. That's the, to see, that's the justification. Obviously, like, some of these parents do not know what the fuck is going on. No, they, all these parents are just, like, blindly letting their children be part of this program because they're so desperate to like for anything that can help are disciplining your child not enough like this is your only answer right brainwashing your children but if my kid if my kid came back like this like completely different i'd be like something's wrong right and this lady lady she tries she's all my kid's different and they're all no just, yeah. just better. So like, you mean snobbish because they have more pride? Maybe you should learn from them. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you need some pride. Look at your outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Are you proud to be wearing Local woman. Wearing? <laughs> Townie. Local woman. <laughs> yeah, then it just so happens that on this night, while they are... <laughs> 
while they are spying on the evil PTA meeting, who in this moment just happens to be the next volunteered person. It is Gavin. I like how he doesn't realize it's ha- about him I know. until his parents walk up. Like, who else got suspended four times last yeah, year? Like, wow, somebody else? <laughs> that happened to somebody else, too? <laughs> Whoa, crazy. What a coincidence. That's where the weed is, you know, yeah, kind of has- hinging on his ability to <laughs> obtain information. Yes, yes, to so just, like, discern that these people are just talking about him. They're like, yes, and his name is Gavin. And he's like, wow, I wonder who that is. Was another Gavin at this school? Interesting. <laughs> you know Gavin? <laughs> He's in the vent spying on us right now. <laughs> he's like, who could this be? <laughs> and it's him. And of course, he's very upset. As anyone uh, would be, I guess. This is honestly one of the most terrifying things that I can think of. And I think this is also why uh, this is a lot of people's fear, which is why we have so much, uh, so many conspiracy theories out there at this time. Right. Of just this big thing, like this big sinister plan to keep people under control mm. like this is a very scary thought especially when it's more close to home like your school and your parents, and your parents and selling like, you oh out oh my god they're out to get you yeah. and transform you into a robot oh god parents just don't understand this is scary this is a scary thought a lot of people are yeah. scared by this idea Right, so then they go out to, like, the water, and he's, like, you know, venting, and then he's like, do you know what? Fuck this. And he pulls a handgun out of his pocket, just, he was just casually, he just casually carries that around. Yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna kill my parents. I'm gonna go home and smoke these fools. Yes, literally. (laughs) I'm, I'm gonna smoke them all. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, whoa. And, yeah, and Steven's derailing. like, whoa, this is, this is, he, you going a little crazy. You're gonna, he's like, I'm going to kill my, my old man. I don't even care. Like, he's losing it. <laughs> Rightfully care. so. Like, it's, it's like, he oh. knows what's happening. He has a better understanding probably like, than uh, Steve does of the situation. Steve just sort of thinks he's, he's overreacting. Yeah, he's just and, spooky. Yeah. Right. And he wrestles the gun away from him, and he's like, it's actually kind of sad. Like this, moment, this moment is kind of sad, because we as an audience know the truth. We know that these people are obviously brainwashed and under some intense mind control. Yeah. But, you know, Steve doesn't know that, so he's just acting like an old person would who's, who sees somebody claiming they're going to murder their yeah. family. So Don't like, ruin your get- life, man. Yeah. And so he wrestles the gun away from him, and, and Gavin's, like, pleading. He's like, you back my gun! You back my gun! And he's all, nah. She's like, and chill out, bro. Like, Go home. Yeah, and at this point, you know, Gavin's fate is sealed. Soon after, Gavin arrives back at school, but he is different. Steve, Rachel, and UV are stunned to see that Gavin is now a blue ribbon prep. After Gavin blows off Rachel, Steve attempts to talk to Gavin, but he and Yuvi are attacked by the Blue Ribbons. They seal off the cafeteria and beat Steve with Gavin landing the final blow. When Steve decides to eat lunch in the boiler room, he discovers that Mr. Newberry isn't as off as he portrays himself to be, but is actually faking his simplicity in order to disappear. As Steve walks home through the woods, he's tormented by a group of Blue Ribbons who taunt and chase him. When he gets home, he's surprised to find Lorna, a beautiful blonde blue ribbon, sitting on his couch claiming to be tutoring his little sister. 
Steve asks her to leave, but she uses the restroom first. When she catches a glimpse of the handsome Steve, she's overcome with wild sexual energy. She exits the bathroom with her top open and attempts to seduce Steve. However, when he rejects her, she becomes filled with rage, smashes her head against a mirror, and attacks Steve with a shard of glass. When she comes to, she acts as if nothing has happened and leaves with blood streaming down her face. We then see Lorna on a slab where Dr. Caldecott and another doctor discuss that when the teens are sexually aroused, their dopamine levels spike and they become violent. They then proceed to operate on her even more. Wrong, bad, bad, wrong. Bad, wrong, wrong, bad, bad, wrong. <laughs> Those are not just the reviews of this movie. <laughs> According to Rotten Tomatoes, wrong, bad, Rotten bad, Tomatoes. wrong. Yeah, right, right. According to the, um, the five people in the test audiences who they took their advice. Honestly. But Gavin has <laughs> now changed. This is scary. Yes, now, so, now we know that it's true. Yeah, I want to know how much time has passed. Is this literally the next day? It seems to be. Or maybe it's yeah. Monday and the last time was Friday. Mm, yeah, they had the weekend. So they're like, we're busy. They were having family time. Well, when are the PTA meetings? Look it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those happen every other Wednesday. Let me see. Cradle Bay PTA. <laughs> Evil PTA meeting. <laughs> so, yeah, he walks in and they are gooped. They are gagged, honey, by the transformation. Like, they cut his hair. Who put the acid in my spam? <laughs> <laughs> so then we have this uh, confrontation between the blue ribbons and Steve because he's like, I'm going to go talk to my friend. And they're all like, hey, man. He's Back the fuck right up. Now back up and he's like what are you talking about this is a free school <laughs> and so he tries to get past and they wail on that ass wail on not i'm like not on my baby's face right baby's face. now you cross the line don't be touching now his you face cross the line. nose is bleeding he's he's spitting out blood like they whoop yeah. his ass yeah even uv gets it they throw his little white ass over the, <laughs> the, 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 the table <laughs> you know, and he's out for the count. Like, he's not the manly man that Steve is who can take a beating. So he's getting his ass beat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Rachel, she's not doing much. She's like, oh. She's like, stop! Stop! Stop it! Yeah. And um, they pretty much whoop his ass. And, and everybody they just sort of moves out. The whole, the whole cafeteria clears out as if there was, like, somebody shot a They're, gun. like, screaming. Like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. They're, like... Not the schools I went to. Oh, no. Phones would have been out. It would have been on and popping. Yeah. Yeah. They would have been chanting someone's name. Yeah, no. But screaming, these, these like, yes! 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 <laughs> yeah. But not these kids. They get scared and they run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clears out pretty quickly. And, um... <laughs> And poor Steve is, he's just fucked up. And and the uh, Blue Ribbons, they walk away. Chug, being a, a petty asshole, knocks over Mr. Newberry's, you know, little bucket of water and calls him the R word. I know. He is ridiculous. Like, Chug, first of all. That was the biggest shock to me. I was like, oh, not that word. Not, not that. Mama, everything but that. Right, so, you know, I'm scared at this point. I'm like, oh my god, my poor baby James Morrison's face is gonna be... He's gonna be mangled. Just absolutely <laughs> destroyed. And then we cut to the next scene. 
where he just has a little boo boo on his lip. <laughs> and it's kind of like it's kind of sexy. Yeah, we're like, oh, my like, girl, okay. give me a scar, give me a cut, give me a scab. Yeah, let me take, let me, let me kiss that fat lip of yours. <laughs> yeah, let me let, let me lick, let me lick the dry blood off your lip. That's all that happened to him, and he's sort of walking around town. He's like, oh, got beat up, kind of like a pouty baby boo boo face. And he's like mm-hmm. all mad. And then he walks by the yogurt shoppy and he sees them and they're cheers in their milkshakes. They're all hell yeah. yeah, we beat his ass. Yeah, we whooped that motherfucking ass. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Another milkshake. <laughs> cheers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they're like after we jump somebody we always get milkshakes <laughs> <laughs> to revitalize our fluids yeah that's how they pitch it to the evil pta parents they're like they'll whoop somebody's ass and then they'll go to the yogurt shoppy for milkshakes yeah. after like, <laughs> yeah. like all wholesome children should they're like i want to introduce you to the next phase of the blue ribbons a big poster it gets unveiled and it's trent with a glass of milk it says god milk <laughs> god milk <laughs> So then, you know, Steve is disgraced. He can't be seen in the cafeteria anymore. Oh, no. So he's like, I'm going to go eat my lunch in the boiler room. In the the fucking cancer cancer corner, girl. And he's like eating his his lunch and he sees Mr. Newberry and he spots something. He's all, not Kurt Vonnegut. Not Slaughterhouse-Five. You are smarter than you let on because you are reading a big boy book. (laughs) (laughs) this is a college book this book yeah this book i read in ap english (laughs) yeah who are you fooling and mr newberry is like don't touch my book at first but then he starts to drop the get out of here and he's like wait a minute he's like you like vonnegut he's all no (laughs) he's like and then there's like this awkward like Honestly, clipped short interaction, which I think again is a product of the of the They're editing cuts. Yeah, apparently there was supposed to be a much longer scene here where we learn more about Mr. Newberry's backstory, but all we get is him saying something along the lines of, "It's amazing when you're playing stupid, how interesting people are," or something, some weird. Literally line. the dumbest line in the movie, and I'm like, sort of smirks at him. He's like. Mm-hmm. But I still, I can't fully fathom why he's acting like this. Yeah, it's like, I I kind of don't understand. I'm like, and obviously it's because he's like, have you ever just wanted to disappear? So I'm like, oh, is he, was he bullied in high school? This is what he has to do to get people to leave him alone? This big charade? Yeah, maybe he was famous. Is that Brad Pitt? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I don't think you know who I am. I don't, you know. I used to live in Seattle and I was in a little band named Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I am Kurt Cobain. And, um. Yeah, (laughs) I faked my own death. Yeah, I faked my own death. And now (laughs) I clean shit out of the high school toilets. I don't get it. And I also don't ever feel like they probably explain this even in the director's cut. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's sort of like, okay, but why? Like, what is this? What is the importance of this? What is the importance he, of him wanting to disappear and like, like having this like connection with Steve? Does Steve want to disappear? Is that his motive? And this is how they're connecting. I don't really see Steve as like 
needing to disappear. Maybe in this moment because he got his ass whooped in front of his friends. But like, yeah. And also, I don't think this is a, anything on William Sadler's part because I think he does a great job. But no, his performance great. seems so over the top that it almost puts it outside of this movie. Like it's meant for a different yeah. film almost. Yeah, like Home Alone. That yeah. <laughs> and just the <laughs> fact that he's like. This. <laughs> you know what I, you know what I mean. Yes, yes. He's like the and pigeon just, lady or the fucking right. shovel snowman. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, why? For what purpose does this need? This character need to be this over the top, or even do this in the first place? Why couldn't he be um, a deaf mute or something? Like, why did he have to be? I don't this? know. I don't. I don't know. It's such an interesting choice. And he's obviously there to be a sort of do as machina for these pe- for these characters, which is like basically this person who's going to come and save them a lot. <laughs> so then um, Steve is walking home, and this th- does this moment feel a little like Lost Boys inspired by you? It does, by yes, you? very. It oh, yeah, does okay. by me, yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's like, literally what I thought when they show them from above, like backlit. Yeah. And they run in different directions. And, and they're like, well, gotta get ya! Or whatever they say when they, like, run by him. Like... Yeah. Don't you have and they, anything better to do? Oh, no. Not for these kids. They literally yeah. lost all interest in all other activities except bullying and sports. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> and tutoring little kids. And tutoring, which is um, when Steve gets home, he finds... Um, a 30-year-old woman playing a high schooler in <laughs> on his couch. No, she's Is, does she look 30? I don't know. No, she, she looks about the age that Andy Efkin looks. Yeah, they, that's true. 30. 30. Yeah. And um, she's like, he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm tutoring Lindsay. He's like, where is like, she? And she's like, done. she's asleep. What? The, then the why are you still, are you still here? here, bitch? Yeah. Why would she go to sleep if you were still here? Like, what was that conversation like? Bye, Lorna. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, help yourself to whatever's in the fridge. <laughs> I know. They kind of maybe should have shown what led up to this. But at the same time, like, <laughs> is this phase one of, you know, his parents having signed up Steve for this program? Like, they're mm, like, what, who can we get to maybe inspire Steve to join the Blue Ribbons? Because Dr. Caldecott has tried. Trent has tried. Oh, I sure. know. Coochie could make him get into the Blue Ribbons. Yeah, yeah. So, Coochie's there, and she's like... <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe she, had a, maybe she had a conversation with his parents yeah. before, you know, but while he was away. And, she's like, hear uh, me out. If I suck your son's dick, I think he might join the club. Yeah, and they're like, ooh, I... I Okay, I can go for that, honey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds about right. So, um, <laughs> she's like waiting there, and he's like, You gotta go. Like, you gotta get up out of here. And she's like, I'm yeah. gonna use the bathroom. <laughs> and he's like, Fine, go ahead. So, she goes to the bathroom. I don't know if she ever closes the Does she go there just to wash her hands? She's she washing her hands. No. And, um, and she's like seeing him in the mirror, and he's like, drinking his coca-cola ding yeah like, there's, there's a lot of coca-cola in this movie too 
And um, he's just, you know, like, oh, he's been, he's kind of wet. He's been walking through the woods for some reason to get he home. He looks fucking hot. Yeah. And he looks like fucking like wet and sexy. And she's like, steamy. She's like getting wet and sexy. And like, yeah. She's like, I bet his balls smell so good right now. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. She's like, like milkshake. And so Pheromone. she. Uh, Pheromones. <laughs> and so she's like, I'm like, I'm gonna get some. So then she. She's like, hey, and her titty is out. Just Girl, one tit. Uh huh. She kind of just like flops on the wall, like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Got Oops. milk. <laughs> <laughs> Got milkshake. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh no, oopsie. My top is open. She's like, uh, and then she starts moving towards him. All of a sudden, she's modest. She's like, she covered up that one little nip for the rest of the scene. They just needed to have one little tip for you one know. little nude. They gotta yeah. get the, the boys in to see this movie, obviously. <laughs> they were like, um, "So who wants to show their tits in this film?" And she was like, um, "I guess I'll do it." <laughs> She's like, "I've never done a movie before, so this is what you have to do, right, to make it big." And they're all, "Yes." Honestly, yeah. They're like, "Of Heather course, Graham would yeah." Do it. Heather Graham. Would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Heather Graham will show her ankles, so why not show my breasts? <laughs> <laughs> and so um so she gets like really horny and she's like she's like trying to make out with him and he's like whoa like hold up like too much and she's yeah. like oh she's like oh my god like i'm so embarrassed wrong. bad wrong, bad bad, bad wrong. and she wrong. looks at the mirror notices that her makeup's fucked up and smashes her face <laughs> in the mirror. oh my god wrong bad <laughs> <laughs> This is a really cool scene. No, I like this scene. I think this is probably the most effective of the moments. You know, she she smashes her head, and you're just like, "Whoa, okay, these people, these she, this is like the female version of the rage, right?" So, um, <laughs> yeah, she's like saying bad, wrong, wrong, bad, and she's like picking up this shard of the mirror, and she's like, "Gotta kill you now." That's just what we do, right? So she like yeah. jumps at him. And she's trying to stab him, and he's like wrestling her. And there's then a he, pull, like, There's a stream of blood coming from her forehead yeah, onto her face. Right, right, exactly. And then he throws her off, and her skirt is like above her head because obviously we need to see that with upskirt because <laughs> she's gonna be a big star. Crystal's cast, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she's Crystal's like writh- She's like writhing. She's like, oh, uh, 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 and then she like snaps <laughs> too. Yeah. And she's like, oh, oh I have to go. Me. I have a big physics exam tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I really like I really like that moment because she's like really looks really deranged and Because her- the blood has spread and she looks even <laughs> more deranged. Yeah, she's like deranged has blood all over her face. And she's like, um, I, I have a big physics test tomorrow. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and she leaves. He's like, whoa. Oh, I love this scene. I think it's super effective. For me, yeah. it's the equivalent to, um, I'm not going to reference 2004 Stepford Wives, but the 70s Stepford Wives when Joanna uh, sees Bobby's changed and she has this like, you know, sort of outbreak of like, I don't know what to do. Um, I love it. I love this. Yeah, this is really effective for sure. And then we get the most memorable uh, well, scene for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Good job, it's actually kind of scary. Yeah, it is. There I, are, I like, think actually it, many actual scary moments in this movie. As many times as we, you know, <laughs> made digs at her a career, I really do think she does a great job as Lorna in this. 
yeah, scene exactly. particularly. I, I, I couldn't imagine. I can't imagine why she never returned for another movie. And they I were know. Just like, it's okay, show your tit, upskirt, and um, you're out of here. <laughs> like we, we've seen all we need to see. Yeah, literally. So then uh, we see Lorna on a slab, and this is where we get a little. We find out that they are being operated on, probably lobotomized in a way, and um, you know we see Doctor. Um, what's his name? Calcadac. <laughs> Caldecott. Uh, oh yeah. We saw we see Dr. Caldecott um, <laughs> saying he's like, oh, we, there's a problem with the chip. There's a chip, right? He says something about a chip. Yeah, something about the, the, the programming. Chip on the nerve. Like there's like a, something about a nerve. This, you know, the, I don't want to bore um, everybody with the science of it. Pineal I, gland. I, I, only we'll understand since we're scientists. I have a BFA in theater. Yeah. And, um, uh-huh. and I have a high school diploma. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the pineal gland, like something's wrong. Something about the gland, and he's like, <laughs> when they get aroused, their dopamine's levels spike. Uh, and she's like, what do we do? And he's like, well, we gotta, you gotta cut the bruises out of the banana. And I was all, her, is her brain the banana? I was like, oh, and then no. they show Lorna with this headpiece on, with the cuts on her face, and then they just hear the. <laughs> That's comedic to me. I think that this part is plays into that what I thought this might have been maybe borderline dark comedy is because of the way that it's being yeah, talked it's, about it's, and she's just sitting campy. there like it's sort of campy and then they're like we gotta cut the bruises off the banana and then they just show Lorna and they're like all fully geared up with a headgear and it's like it's like that is so funny to me yeah. I laugh and he's like, he's like tell her parents she's gonna be missing cheerleading practices yes yeah I'm like oh okay <laughs> You're like, work. Good one, Dr. Good one. Seriously, I'm like, who wrote this? John Waters? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Rachel goes to have a smoke in the boiler room and finds a disc left for her. However, she is followed by Chug. When she rejects his offer to go out with her again, he becomes filled with rage and begins to sexually assault her. However, she is saved by Mr. Newberry's failed rat device as the high frequency causes Chug's head to go haywire. As he writhes in pain, Rachel escapes. Chug destroys the machine and leaves the boiler room while glitching. Steve goes to Rachel's trailer where she shows him that Gavin left them a message on the CD telling them of overhearing Dr. Caldecott being upset over the mention of the Bishop Flats 11. Rachel shows Steve some files showing that Caldecott worked in Bishop Flats at a psychiatric facility where he practiced neuropharmacology, or as Steve puts it, mind control. <laughs> Very astute of you, Steve. <laughs> I don't know how you came to that conclusion. I don't know. but Yeah. You mean like mind control? I'm like, uh, I was thinking uh, like drugs, but sure. They decide to head there to investigate. On the ferry, Steve tells Rachel about his late brother who committed suicide and that his family moved to Cradle Bay to escape their pain. In the psych ward, Steve and Rachel run <laughs> Girls. Steve and Rachel run into several disturbed patients, frightening them into a room where a young girl rocks in a chair and repeats a whimsical phrase. She becomes increasingly agitated and begins riling up the other patients, grabbing the attention of the security guard. To ensure they are not caught, Rachel punches the girl in the face, causing the crowd to disperse. Steve sees from the name on her ID bracelet that she is Dr. Caldecott's daughter. They make a run for it and escape the facility. 
Girl, this is the most problematic part of the movie. This part is so ridiculous. So, okay, so first we we got the boiler room scene. So Rachel, she's like, I'm gonna go have a smoke. And of course, Chug follows her ass in there. She's like, God damn it. Like, this is some toxic bullshit. Can't take no for an answer. And he, uh, so he, he's like, hey, Rachel, do you want to go out with me? And she's like, no. God damn it. No. What did she say? I'd rather, what? Something about being equal parts maggots and trash oh. garbage. Another I can be more line. repulsed by you if, if you, you were, were equal made parts maggot. maggots yeah. and vomit or something like that. <laughs> Burn. Burn. <laughs> Yeah, that was too awkward for her to say, like, as, like, a as a comeback. Like, it was too long. Yeah, especially as, like, a haphazard-ass actress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, lo- I love Katie Holmes, but, you know, she was... Th- at this point of her career, like, Dawson's Creek hadn't even Air come yet. out yet. Yeah. Which is crazy to think. I thought... I was like, oh, yeah, obviously she was cast because she was, like, a big star. Which... Hardly. I mean, yeah, yeah, she wasn't yet. But she, she became infamous I'd say yeah quite (laughs) so um yeah then Chug is like well why would you go out with me I'm gonna make you go out with me and then he starts full on grabbing her breast just giving her a fucking mammogram right there in the boiler room literally he's smashing her boob in his hand I was like stop Stop this is uncomfortable let her go and then you know, and Mr. Newberry always around for every attack that these blue Literally. ribbons have. And he's like watching from the sidelines and all of a sudden this little mouse saving the day, Ratatouille, come to the rescue. Ratatouille in the fucking ass. Yeah. <laughs> and was like going up to that little device and it's like wee 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 and he's like Ow <laughs> and he starts freaking out. His head hurts and she's able to get the hell out of there run for her life after being literally sexually assaulted by by this boy won't take no for an answer Mr. Newberry was on to something Mr. Nublar was definitely on top of it <laughs> Mr. Isla Nublar <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Isla Nublar had it together and so um, so she runs away she has this disc that says Ray on it and um Chug has this little confrontation with Mr. Newberry, but when he walks away, he's like glitching like he's a robot. Like, like, like this is the Stepford Wives. Yeah, literally. Like, we're like full the, on Stepford at this point. Like, with, between yeah, Lorna like, and Chug, it's like, yeah, this is the Stepford Wives. Yeah, like, they're like, again, like, sort of biological robots. I think Steve is, like, walking home at this point with Lindsay. We're having a little bit more of Catherine Isabel because I think they've fully on, forgot about her character. So he's like, oh, I don't know, I gotta go, I gotta go make amends with Rachel. So then he goes to Rachel's place. Her and trailer. She opens it, yeah, her trailer. <laughs> Sorry, I know I, I made sure to specifically see trailer in the synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> and he, she opens the door. No makeup. You know she's sad. So yeah, she's clearly going through something. Cause why wouldn't a woman put on makeup? Right. So then we uh, have this moment that was clearly the inspiration for Scream 3 
where oh literally <laughs> I was thinking I'm like they were like how should we bring Randy back and they're like have you seen disturbing behavior <laughs> good nobody else has this will be perfect <laughs> <laughs> no one will make the connection until fear the no. talking queers years later <laughs> yes exactly and by then it'll be too late <laughs> <laughs> gotcha so then we have this like moment where he's where Gavin shows up and he's like if uh, if you're watching this, I'm already dead. And then he continues by saying, "These are the rules of a trilogy." Trilogy. Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. No, that's not what happens. <laughs> Wrong movie. So basically, he's like, "Oh, they probably got me. Take care of my, you know, my baby girl UV." And um... <laughs> that tells me that they had something gay going on. I think there are some clear undertones here. <laughs> sure. Why not? Right. Sure. <laughs> I love that. And then they, um, <laughs> and then, but he ultimately he's like, oh yeah. And I heard them talk about the, uh, the Bishop flats 11. I love how in the video he goes, that must mean something, right? <laughs> yeah. The, even he's like, I don't know. This might be bullshit, yeah. but, uh, you know, let what me I tell mean? you what I heard. Right. And so they're like, wow. And then, you know, as easy as it is, she's like, Rachel's like, you know, I, I, I've got these files. But she definitely has the internet, so that's good. She does. Well, they watched that on a computer monitor. Um, a colored one, too. Yeah, she's rich. Color. She's actually rich. That trailer park is a lie. Yeah, because the DVD looks great. Yeah, she's actually a scam artist. She's the one who was in there doing Napster. <laughs> yeah, she's, <laughs> she's actually the creator of Napster. And um, she, uh, so they're like, look at this. Like, it says that Dr. Caldecott worked at uh, in Bishop Flats at this psychiatric ward. And, um, and guess what? He practiced neuropharmacology. And he's like, oh, you mean mind what? control? And she's like, exactly. Yes. They're like, well, let's go investigate. She's like, hell yeah, razor. Yeah, yeah, literally, again, with the fucking razor. Yeah. Like, quit trying to make razor happen, Rachel. It's not going to happen. They make their way to the ferry. They uh, they have a sunset conversation, very romantic, about his it's his <laughs> dead his dead brother. That's why so conveniently guess- the ferry was leaving at six, so that we can yeah. see Katie Holmes brood in the sunset. Oh my god, and it, it is stunning, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they have this conversation, which what we read before was that there was more to the backstory of yes. Alan, who apparently there was a murder-suicide of him and his girlfriend, which is like, okay, that's not addressed. It's just he committed suicide. Uh, you know, they connect over that. You know, he has a reason to be broody, too. And so... They take their broody asses to the psych ward, which they just walk in. Um, okay, I don't appreciate the fact that they treated this insane asylum as if it were a fucking horror night's maze. Yeah, literally, yeah. And I think this is like, they were like, oh no, this movie hasn't had very many scary moments. What can we do? Let's put them in this psych ward and have them just bounce back and forth between all these different scary ass <laughs> fucking inmates or not inmates but <laughs> you know, patients residents or, you know, <laughs> residents of the psych ward and who are just absolutely horrifying versions of what probably people actually are in that situation 
Yeah, and honestly, it's like, first of all, how the fuck did they get past security? how they get into this building? how they get into the yeah. hallways? Now they're in people's rooms. It's like, no, you got me fucked up. Yeah, they just easily make their way through while sort of, oh my God, but that, that one who's like flossing his teeth to where they are, he's just blood coming out everywhere. It is scary, but it's like, woof. Like, this is of the times. This was just not very sensitive. And, uh, you know, so they... They make their way through the spooky-ass hallways of the psych ward, and they make it to this room where this young woman is rocking in her rocking chair, and she's, like, repeating something about... uh, The magical creatures of the forest, or the flowers, or something. And she's like, here are the musical creatures running running Among the the flowers. Among the flowers. And then she's, like, really starting to feel it. And she's like saying it louder and she's getting louder and louder and she's yeah like, she's, and like, she's like <laughs> i said hear the music of <laughs> creatures of the flowers <laughs> Woo! And like, the other patients yeah. are loving it they're all like yes I love yeah it. it's a pep rally day <laughs> oh yeah and then they're yeah. like wait the security guard is coming like this bitch needs to shut the fuck up shut the fuck up and then probably to me one of the funniest moments in this movie is literally katie holmes deck this girl in the face with a right hook just like my jaw was on the floor and so was hers yeah her jaw was behind (laughs) her head (laughs) (laughs) she just punched this girl square in the face and knocked her out and everybody's like oh guess the guess the song's over party's over gotta go back to Uh, but but again just like you said that earlier with the fight, like people at your school would have been all over this. Okay, well, when I was in the insane asylum, and there was people, <laughs> every time there was a fight breaking out, people would go crazy too. Yeah, my yes! swing, swinging their floss in the air, fucking gowns They'd be shaking. Like, yeah, they'd be like, kill her! <laughs> you fucking plastic utensils thrown in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Porridge spilled all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, chess pieces flying everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Checkers just everywhere. <laughs> Girl. Okay. And then yes. they're like, oh my god, the security's coming. Security's coming. And uh, so that's why they knocked her out. And then he's like, Steve is like holding her in his arms. This yeah. poor girl. And he's like, look. And they see the ID bracelet. And she is Dr. Caldecott's daughter. And it's like, oh my god what the hell does that mean <laughs> yeah wow and then you're like wow this is a revelation what the fuck does this even have to do with anything <laughs> and how convenient was it that they ended up in fucking miss little caldecott's room yeah it was who yeah, just so, so happens to be like right next to the little lounge area which no one stays in those rooms no that's right, the nurse's exactly. quarters i know <laughs> yeah that's right and so they're like gotta get out so then they make their way out to just a jaunty happy song as if they're having so much fun <laughs> can i tell you what i compared this to in my notes what i compared this to when the, the fucking mystery ink gets out of that spooky yes. mansion in, <laughs> in scooby-doo movie <laughs> yes Yes, and they're like, oh my god, they're having the best scooby doo doo Here we are you. Here, here come you. No, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, they're like paranoid, paranoid. Yeah, they're like running and they're just having a great time, right? They've they've Nancy drawing the day away. They're really bonding yeah. and connecting. It's yeah. super cute. They're like, that was so thrilling. That I want to so fuck. fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go fuck. This would have been the perfect place for a sex scene, right? In my opinion. Which actually was cut. There was oh. a sex scene, and I don't remember if it's on the ferry there or the ferry back. But in one of those scenes, and I had a Mandela effect moment watching this, where I'm like, I've seen them have sex on this ferry. I was shocked that Maybe it wasn't you, there. Did you ever get your claws on a um, DVD? I think I did. I, mu- I must have okay. and have seen the deleted scene where they actually do have a love scene. Were they, they in one of the, one cars, of the cars on the ferry? Yes. Yes, this was like Titanic. Titanic. Yeah, like they're like, there's this movie that nobody's seen called Titanic. We're going to recreate that scene on yeah. the boat. Katie, put your hand on the w- on the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take me to the stars. Okay. They've escaped completely unharmed from the insane asylum. And now it's time to conclude this bitch. So why don't we finish her off? As they stop for gas on the way back, they're approached by Officer Cox, who attempts to arrest Rachel and Steve. Luckily, they're saved by Mr. Newberry, who knocks Officer Cox unconscious. Rachel waits for Steve outside as he tries to grab his sister and run away back to Chicago. (laughs) However, it seems that Steve has been volunteered by his parents to be the newest member of the Blue Ribbons. After knocking Caldecott to the ground, Steve is ambushed by Gavin and the Blue Ribbons, who claim to have taken Rachel. Steve is knocked out by Chug and is taken away. Steve wakes up on a slab and is hooked up to the brainwashing device by Caldecott, whom Steve taunts with the whimsical phrase spoken by his daughter. As the lobotomy needle gets closer to his eye, Steve uses a scalpel he snagged to cut himself free and stop the device. He then runs and saves Rachel before it's too late. As he pulls a sedated Rachel along, they run into Chug, who attacks them. Rachel finally comes to and uses a pipe to kill Chug before he can attack her again. They're picked up by Yuvi and Lindsay. However, the car is stopped down the road by a blockade of Blue Ribbons and Caldecott. They are saved again by Mr. Newberry, who runs over Caldecott, who attempts to shoot the oncoming car with a gun. He then unveils a stack of rat devices and turns them on, causing the Blue Ribbons to scream in pain and chase his car. Steve sends Rachel, UV, and Lindsay to the ferry before it leaves, and he goes to save Mr. Newberry on a motorcycle. When Mr. Newberry reveals he's been fatally shot, he waits for the Blue Ribbons to swarm his car, and then drives them off the side of a cliff, killing them all. (laughs) Caldecott arrives for one last confrontation with Steve, where he claims that there will be other towns looking for help with their troubled teens. Steve bests Caldecott and is able to send him to his death over the cliff. Steve hops back on the motorcycle and races to the ferry before it leaves. After a death-defying jump, he makes it onto the ferry where he's reunited with Rachel, and the two of them plan on starting a life over with Yuvi and Lindsay. Cut to a new school with an unruly urban student body. We see a clean-cut man walk in who is introduced as a new student teacher. It is revealed to be Gavin, who looks at the class with a red glint in his eye. The end. Yeah, 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 whatever. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> like, honestly, obviously, we get... Between the last section and this section with the Caldecott's daughter and all of that, there is a lot that was cut out that makes this no longer make sense. I know that there is more explanation about 
his daughter, like really right, working to try and save his daughter's brain and it doesn't yeah. work. So what does he do? He brainwashes a whole class of kids. <laughs> right, exactly. I, yeah, I, apparently there was like a whole scene where Caldecott did sort of bring up the past about his daughter, which would connect it to this, to them finding his daughter and then attempting to use her to, um, you know, I don't know, throw Caldecott off his game. Like, we know the secret. We know you had a daughter and she's in a psych ward and you're not helping her. And he's like, she's one, she's one I wasn't able to fix or something like that. Yeah. And there goes that plan. He, uh, oh, yeah. turns out he, he doesn't care about her. He doesn't give a fuck about her. Yeah. He's like, whatever. I made all these new kids. And it's like, is that the connection we're supposed to make? Like, oh, he wasn't able to save her, but is there... I'm kind of what confuses me. It's, it's almost like his daughter was born that way and he right. couldn't save her with his neuropharmacology. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to save all the other teenagers in the world by making them worse. <laughs> it doesn't seem to me like she was like a, an unruly, like rebellious child who he turned into yeah. a, a, a good kid. And then she, you know, lost her mind or Haywired. something like that. It looks like she was, yeah, like you said, she was born with some sort of you know mental disorder and then he wasn't able to cure that and then he's decided to equate that with turning bad kids into good kids which honestly he doesn't achieve that either i think that no the blue ribbons are more are worse behaved than the stoners and the skaters and the motorheads like we never see any of them act up it's just them yeah they're just trying to get drunk and smoke weed and dance in the, their truck. Meanwhile, the blue ribbons are trying to fuck and beat ass. Yeah, and they're trying, they're snapping necks, smashing mirrors, ripping and, out septum piercings. Yeah, like they're a mess. So. Smashing their head into mirrors, like this yeah, is a so mess. I'm like, how can you be proud of this work? Where's your pride, Doctor Caldecott? Yeah, you should be proud of this work. Your work sucks. Yeah, and your mustache looks ridiculous. Yeah. Even though <laughs> Worst of all. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we have, you know, we had this uh, confrontation, but where uh, Mr. Newberry just appears everywhere. He saves them when they're being, like, arrested by Officer Cox, who I think also had more of a story. I think there was supposed to be more to explain why Officer Cox is so invested in... in in this blue ribbon bullshit. Like, why is he so... Why is he such a big I know. Part of this? Is he we friends never with Dr. Caldecott? Like, what's going on? Yeah, we are never what given is going an explanation on? about why... What Officer Cox has to do with any of this, other than he seems to be protecting the blue ribbons and is out to get Steve and Rachel. And how does Mr. Newberry... I mean, I guess that he's kind of following this as the story unfolds as well, but it's kind of like he's very conveniently placed in places where we need Everywhere. him. Exactly. Exactly. Like, is he stalking it, them? <laughs> yeah. Is he obsessed with them? Like, I mean, ew. who wouldn't be obsessed with Steve? Like, come on. Literally. He is so beautiful. Anyway, so... Yeah, he's like conveniently everywhere. He saves them by knocking out Officer Cox. And then, they, you know, they go, they go home and they try to, I love how he's like, we're, me and Lindsay are leaving back to Chicago. Where no one will ever look for us. 
Yeah, two <laughs> teens on the run. And his parents are like, well, actually, you're going to be a blue ribbon. Congrats. <laughs> and apparently, <laughs> apparently, again, there's more cut out here. What happened was, was that his parents supposedly found the gun in his room that belonged to Gavin. And that spooks his mom to uh. where she's like... I need to, you know, he's obviously acting out. I need to out. do he something. Gun. Right, she doesn't have an explanation why he has a gun. She doesn't know if she took, he took it from Gavin. All she sees is that there's a gun in his room and he's been, you know, depressed. And She's having a brother. flashback. Right. Exactly, especially because her other son committed suicide. And uh, so that's the reason why they call Dr. Caldecott. It's not, yeah. not explained in the theatrical version, but that's supposed to be the reason why. So uh, Caldecott shows up. They ambush Steve. They take him away. They take Rachel away. They're finally caught. We have a little bit of a moment where we see the process of them being turned into these these blue ribbons, these like lobotomized versions of their their old selves. They're like what? It's like a, a needle that goes into their eye while they are watching. Um, old sitcoms. Seeing images of, yeah, like WandaVision or something. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and uh, again, there's a big escape. This is our second big escape. This one, not as easy as the first one. They, uh, you know, he saves Rachel, and this part is hilarious to me, because she's literally like a limp noodle. Like, <laughs> yeah. She's so ridiculous in this. Yeah, it's so, I love when he's like, when they run into Chugs, who's like, getting a coca-cola ding from the (laughs) machine and he's like all right this is our big confrontation he's like stay here rachel just like and he leaves her and she just immediately just like (laughs) like literally plops (laughs) on the ground and then you know they have a big fight you know steve has shown his manliness you know really fighting for rachel her honor since he fucking grabbed her boob I know. It would have been better if she could have come to and did her own, you know, revenge story, but hey. I mean, she did. She does. That's what happened. Oh. So this is this movie's called Disturbing Behavior. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed this part. So Rachel comes to, and she grabs a pipe. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she's all, hey. Bing! And she, uh, you know, she's she's really good aim. We saw it with Dr. Caldecott's daughter, that she knows how to knock somebody out. And uh, we can only assume this is the final blow against Chug because he's sitting there, or he's laying there face down, and um, all this cherry pie feeling starts coming <laughs> out, of his, out of his head. And so we can assume <laughs> Chug gets his for being a yeah. rapist a fucking nasty fuck. Yes, and they escape and uh, conveniently they run outside and there's UV and Lindsay. <laughs> they get blockaded by uh, Hands Across America over here. Honestly, literally. And, okay. Honestly, this movie is going so fast that yeah. I'm like, what was the point of the rest of the movie? Because it is kind of slow. What was the yeah. point of the rest of the movie being so damn slow that now we're just full throttle, like full speed ahead? In the, yeah, exactly. Everything just goes so fast. Um, I'll even speed it up right now. Okay, so we have, you know, Caldecott <laughs> somehow makes it to them, <laughs> you know, shoots up, you know, a car again. Mr. Newberry Mr. following car. them, runs them over. The rat devices come back. 
and uh, you know all the all the blue ribbons. They start full on like midsummer horga people like screaming and writhing in pain. Ah. On the, on the yeah, they chase the car. Steve's like. Go. I mean, we explain all this in the synopsis. I'm pretty much just retelling the synopsis. Yeah. The death of the blue ribbons is pretty convenient and easy. It's really like, easy. Like he literally just get, drives off a cliff and they fall. And every with it. single one of them is on the car. Almost. They're not. They're not savable. Steve is like, are they able to be saved? And Mr. Newberry's like, nah. I'm gonna make the, I'm gonna make it an executive decision here. Like now, I gotta kill him. I'm a I'm a janitor. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Cornflake. Oh, Caldecott comes back, and <laughs> a big fight. Steve becomes a murderer when he kicks him off the cliff, and and then he's like, "All right, good thing all those years of motocross paid off because here I am," and he fucking slam dunks right onto the ferry right onto the ferry oh and this stunt i have to say this stunt is pretty cool it's a cool stunt but is it obtainable by an actual high schooler absolutely fucking not yeah literally i mean it's so over the top it's so funny and then they end up on the ferry and some horrible horrible dialogue is exchanged between steve and rachel uh-huh. Where are we gonna go? Wherever. Okay. It's like, yeah. Why even speak here? Just kiss and, and roll the damn credits right off into the sunset. But no, not too yeah. fast, not so fast, because now we're oh. in the fucking hood. Obviously, that's what they're portraying this as. Yeah, Sister Act Two, back in the habit. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not, it's not Sister Mary Clarence. It Mm-mm. is Gavin. Yes, here to be a student teacher at a fucking you know one of these hood schools yep. that i went to yeah. and yeah, freedom riders yep exactly <laughs> and gang, uh, gangs of paradise dangerous uh, minds um yeah. <laughs> and uh gavin's supposed to i guess continue caldecott's work how what? he knows how to do this no i know i don't know yeah i don't think there's anything that's ever explained that not only do these do they become preppy they also have an extreme amount of knowledge on how to continue lobotomizing people right. into becoming uh, mindless, brainwashed preppy, preppy kids. Okay, so and real quick, in the alternate ending, Steve makes it back to the ferry where they are soon met by Gavin holding yes. a fucking gun and ready to kill all their asses. And when they're like, Gavin, like trying to talk him off the ledge, like, don't you remember who you used to be? And he's like, yeah, but I like who I am now better. And um, then he continues to try to shoot one of them. And but before he yeah. can, UV comes to the rescue by having that handgun very conveniently on in his pocket yeah. and shoots Gavin dead. And they all cry about it. And the movie ends. So, which I I think is kind of a better ending. It's a much stronger ending because I actually do like the idea that Gavin remembered who he was, but preferred the discipline that he had now, because I think that speaks to a lot of teenagers who are experiencing the sort of teen angst where sometimes it really is just down to someone's not putting their foot down and telling this kid, you can't act like this. (laughs) That's true. And also I think it gives Gavin a more 
a full circle moment. It gives yes. him a, a stronger conclusion to his arc in this story. Because in this, in the theatrical version, he's pretty much right. our, Where is our, he? Se- our secondary character who, as soon as he becomes a blue ribbon, pretty much disappears other than a few more appearances, like leading the blue ribbons, like during the scenes where they kidnap Steve and Rachel yeah. and stuff like that. But other than that, he's so inconsequential after that. And that's not fi- that's kind of weird to the audience who like invested so much of the character at first. Yeah. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, we don't. We don't know this character. We don't see this character ever again. Okay. And it gives UV this moment to kind of be a little more important as well and kill his best friend. Yeah, exactly. And because his character has been so inconsequential the entire time. It's like, give him a purpose. And, you know, maybe that's what it is. It's like this guy, this person who was supposed to be his caretaker. Girl, when they get, when you know. Ga- in the alternate ending, when they show Gavin get shot, I was like, please don't tell me this is Mr. Newberry. <laughs> oh my god, imagine. Yeah, Mr. Newberry's like back from the bottom of the cliff. He's like, I gotcha, Sonny. I can't believe people didn't like this ending. I mean, I know that uh, there are more audiences out there that want a happy ending than those who do not want a happy ending. But at the same time, it's like, I like this as a conclusion. Like, this yeah. isn't sad. This, this is, is more fine. This is more conclusive. Yeah. Exactly. This- this is more in line with the rest of the movie. This movie was sort of dark and, you know, this movie. And honestly, I don't even think this is that dark of an ending. It's darker. It's darker, but it's not the darkest. It's not as dark as it could be. Right. Exactly. I think it gives them a better understanding of who the blue ribbons are because we don't really get a lot of who they are. No. We get the surface level of that. There's like these sort of like robotic, you know, angry kids, but we don't get to see that they actually no. do have a little bit of. And it, it did play into that too, where Andy has a moment, Chuck has a moment, Lorna has a moment, you know, all right. all these characters have, these blue ribbons have sort of this moment. And then Gavin, being the more philosophical of them all, gets to have this really great moment where he describes what it's like to not be the doctor or the other side, to actually be a blue ribbon and tell them what that's like for him. And right, I thought exactly. that was far more interesting. Right. And to come to his old self again. Like, they do have access to who they were before. Yeah. Because he he does kind of come back in the alternate ending where he's like, he is kind of the old Gavin again. He is able to decipher the differences between who he was and who he's become. Yeah. And that's that's such a different interpretation than any other other times that we've seen the Blue Ribbons interact with anybody. And I think that's really strong. And it would have been nice to see. But... Oh well, we got that new we got, and he's now a, a teacher. I know. Save, save the urban school. Unfortunately, the studio crumbled under the pressure of the test audiences, which honestly, were they even really pressuring that much? I feel like no. the test audiences are given way too much trust in some of these, the way how some of these movies go. And yeah, the success. They've, ne- they've never worked to their benefit. So uh, never, ever. And that's what I was going to say. The success of films usually come afterward anyway. So who yeah. should be in the test audience? Like, because clearly it's not the people that make these movies cult classics after and all that shit. So right. it's like, and I cannot believe that the studio has yet to release the director's cut and absolutely refuses to release it. That yeah. is ridiculous. That's so sad. I know. That poor director. Poor David Nugget. What's his name? <laughs> um, Nutter. <laughs> <laughs> Even David better. Nutter. 
Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, I, you know, we watched the thing about if the people from Fangoria watching this movie. And, yeah, like it uh, has been screened. They love it. And they say it makes way more sense that it makes disturbing, be- <laughs> not disturbing, it makes disturbing behavior way, a way better film, a bit easier pill to swallow, and makes it make more sense. So. So it's out there. The truth is out there. And hopefully one day we get on it. On DVD. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. So that is Disturbing Behavior. This bake sale is closed. Girl. So what are your final thoughts on this? You hate it? <laughs> uh, uh, my, my final thoughts on this are I think that this movie obviously had a lot of potential. I think it was absolutely Frankenstein and uh, did it a service by the test audiences. I find it entertaining and I think that there are good original ideas. I like, I think that sort of uh, like modern take or, you know, I guess quote unquote, 90s modern take on like the sort of stepford wives thing is really interesting and fun. I think mm-hmm. the concept is great. Um, I think, just think it's, it doesn't live up to its full potential because of so much studio interference and that's a bummer so I give this movie a uh, 2 out of 5 ditto aside from what I said about the test audiences like I really think that they fucked this movie up and now it's super confusing and it's not ever gonna be what it could have been and that sucks um but I would give this movie also a 2 out of 5 oh well we this is what we got and we just I guess gotta enjoy what what we can out of it (laughs) enjoy the fucking shambles the remnants of what could have been yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right well that was disturbing behavior bitches i hope you enjoyed that yes and don't forget to follow us on instagram at fear the talking queers uh, we already told you, but there are so many goodies on fearthetalkingqueers.com. Um, and there are so many more to come. So always check, always refresh that. Check every few days. You never know what, what could show up. Yes. And three episodes left of season two. Are you excited? Because I am. Ooh, <laughs> I'm screaming. Ooh. Oh, it's very, it's going to be very promising. Like so promising. Oh. It could, it's so sweet. It could break your jaw. <laughs> oh my god, I just really want to scream again. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, well on that note, I will say sweet screams, bitch. Bye. Bye.